everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Congratulations. Your morning just got a bit classier. A media legend. A ferocious linebacker. A clueless producer. And you. Searching for a replacement window online? Visit windownation.com today. So raise a glass and act accordingly. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. All right, let's do it live on a First Friday Miracle edition of the program. How you living, threes? Uh, living the dream, brother. How you doing? You know, not bad. Not bad. Not bad? I mean, that's a lie. How's the back doing? That's the right. Back's okay. How's the back doing? Back's fine. fine. It's okay. been fine. Um, okay. Back's, back's fine. We have, I got the whole uh, family at the barn this morning, in case you're wondering. Oh, really? You know? Yeah. Got the whole, we, got, uh, we got some uh, some house showings, you know, if you will. And so, oh, so you Yeah, so it means all four dogs and kids over to the barn. Yeah. And so if you hear uh, Cersei breathing fire in the background, that's what it is. <laughs> um, thankfully, Remy is still napping in the yeah. car. Uh, London and Hayden are looking at me like Hayden's giving me a look like Dad. Why are you even talking about me? Get my name out your mouth, right? Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's so our morning. Uh, this is um, the time is I suppose since Luke is taking the job at USC, you'll be his nope. defensive coordinator. Nope, and then nope. you're gonna you're, you guys are building in Laguna. Is that right? No. With a view no. of the Pacific, all that's that, false. That's not all what's that's happening. false. That's nope. Not, no, nope. Hey, but you know who I did see yesterday. Um, out here in Dublin, house shopping. You know, I think I saw uh, two guys together. It was Will Muschamp and Mark D'Antonio. Oh, they were they both were, there. Yeah, they were. Oh, you, you know, don't I think say. they might actually. Both of them might actually be looking at my house today, trying to, uh, you know, to come in. Well, and, and fix because they're going to start tomorrow. Apparently. Yep. Um, yeah, yep. I I thought. Um, you know, I, it's interesting. Luke had the. Pre- we'll talk a little bit about Luke in the eleven o'clock hour in terms of the presser he had yesterday. It was just exactly who Luke is. Like that's just yep. who he is. Like if you haven't been paying attention, he's we've known him for a long time. You know him very yep. very well. You specifically know him very very well. But even you out there listening, you know him very very well. This this yep. is who he is. He's not. Yep. He is not interested in any of the Balahoo or the tomfoolery. Um, no. But I, I, I do. I am curious if, if he'll have to have another press conference today to say that he's not coming up here to become the defensive coordinator and leave <laughs> right. his top ten team at Cincinnati exactly. to come up here and return exactly. to his job. Let, yep. Let's just start there because um, you know we have become. I, I, I think as a society at large, and then certainly in in sports, it's it's you know a, a window into it. But we have become incredibly reactionary. Yeah. Um, and we have no real uh, attention. We have no, we can't really hold our attention. We want right. things now. I, I talk That's about right. it with my kids all the time. It's an on demand society. They don't have That's to right. wait for anything. Um, Isn't it bother you in the, in the car on that note? Like, yeah. the demands that you get for the certain songs. Oh, it's unbelievable. I'm like, I used to remember listening to 96.3 KDWB yeah. in Minnesota. Just hoping that the song I wanted to hear would come yeah. on on some 15-minute ride to an ice rink or to a football field. And now it's like we get in the car, play this, play this, and then I want this. Hold on a second. For one, this is Daddy's car. Yeah. Two, <laughs> sure, what song did you say again? All right, we'll play that first. You know, But still, like it's, it's my goodness, the demands. They don't even know. They don't even know, let alone no, shows. Uh, um, 
No, they don't. And it's uh, you know, there's a. Uh, it's funny you say that about the car because they'll just say, I'll I'll hit like let's say you know we we do hell's bells on Saturdays on the way to football games. So um, they will hit it. Of course, uh, they'll hit the icon that says. Hell's, we're raising men here. Hit the That's icon right. that says "Hell's Bells" on the on the screen, and if it doesn't play right away, then then I'm just like, well, let's just see what this is, and it's some other song in that vein. I mean, that's yeah. the way that it works. Yeah. right? that's the way these streaming services work. On, on the streaming, the nice little streaming, uh, thanks to Elon Musk. Yeah, he did a good job yeah. with that. So yeah. so they'll stream in the next song, and I'm like, this is a pretty good song too. Maybe maybe we just listen to "Back in Black," and then we'll get. I'm guessing yeah. "Hell's Bells" will come around sooner or later, yeah. um, and they'll be well. Why don't you just ask it to play it? Yeah, and I said, well, sometimes you hear songs that you don't never have heard before, right? And and that's a win, right? And then maybe you yeah. like that song as much as you like Hell's Bells, although I doubt it on the way to a football Saturday, but nevertheless, right? Yeah. So I'm with you. So this this brings us back to you know kind of yesterday and and where we are. Mm-hmm. Are we are so we are I think, and we'll hear from Coach Day. Not his best moment, uh, my opinion. Just not his best moment. I don't yeah. think yesterday was the strongest. You know that we've seen Coach Day. Um, he's never yeah. done this before. Never been a head coach before. He's never had to face a loss in season before. He's never lost a game that he wasn't supposed to. Right. Right. I mean, Which you lose stinks. to Clemson I mean, in there's a national a big, semifinal. Yeah, fine. It stinks. Yes. You lose to Bama. Okay, that's an all-time Bama team, and we weren't as good last year as we were the year before. I mean, I think you can yep. you can you can certainly make sense of that. So this is a loss that I mean, this is your 14 point favorite. It's at home. You were yep. supposed to win, uh, and you didn't. And so he's having to deal with all of that. And I think at times, even even those inside, the, I think this applies to those inside the program. I think it applies to some of the people that cover the program. I think it co- applies to certain people. I think that we think social media is reality. I think at times. You think that social media is reality. And, yep. um, and, and it's not. It's, it's not reality. And, and at Ohio State, I've always felt like it was a little bit different. Have we gotten to the point where you can't lose a game or you got to fire people? You can't come <laughs> up with solutions? It's we pretty crazy. The uh, is that where we're at? We lose one, I, and that's it. So. It's all. It's all over. Gotten... We got to fire everybody. Like it ain't right. I'm not saying that the defense is right. It's not. Yeah. It's not. But guess what? The defense wasn't right against Bama. Right. I think. It's, right? I think it's finally the culmination of. Um, I do believe the fans gave uh, everyone the benefit of the doubt last year, right? Because they didn't have spring practice. You know, they didn't have a real fall. The up in the air of the season. That's why sure. when we saw stuff defensively, we said, you know what, maybe it was just all those things, right? Like, there, there's a, there was a lot happening last year. And so you thought, okay, let's give them an off season, And that's what Coach Day decided, right? He decided, I'm not going to bring in a co. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to bring in somebody to really... He brought in Paul Rhodes, you know, as a analyst. Analyst. But here's what people need to understand. Analysts right. cannot do on-field work. So I've inquired about that position. You cannot you cannot do on-field work as an analyst. Yeah. So it means that you sit in the in the coach's room. He can talk to Kerry. He can say, hey, have you thought about doing this, that, or whatever? But as far as actually getting on the field or in, teaching the players, like, he's handicapped by NCAA rules. And if you go too far... NCAA comes after you like they are in Nebraska. That's the whole thing with Nebraska is the fact that their analysts were doing on-field drills, and that's not allowed. Um, now, do you want me to believe that all these analysts that Nick Saban has brought in have never done anything on-field <laughs> with guys? Come on. Come on. It's like the, it's like the head coach that wants yeah. to you know, go on hard knocks, I won't name names, and wants to bring in the practice squad wide receiver, discipline him, and then cut him, yet the right. starting wide receiver is doing the exact same thing, and you don't say a word to the starter. 
I mean, that's the that's the whole image there. That's what the NCAA does. You know what? Let's pick on Nebraska, um, and maybe maybe Nick will get the point down there in Tuscaloosa. But we're scared of Nick. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how it works. So I, I think we're at a point where the fans have kind of said, "Hold on, all right, this is a pattern." You heard Coach Day say it. It's a it's a pattern now. Um, it's not a one off. This is something that obviously hasn't gotten fixed through all off season. The frustrating thing for all of us is that. You're not like. Here's a newsflash: You're not hiring anybody. Mark D'Antonio is not coming in here. Mark D'Antonio is 65 years old. He wants to hang out with his Bob grandkids. Had a great tweet about that. Yesterday. You know, like I, I talked to Bob yesterday. Bob's like, Mark's literally watching my ne- my nephew right now. Like he's not, right. not he's not interested in coming no. and being an assistant. Good lord, I'm just not interested in all the, He's like Tress. He's from the Tress cloth. He's like, you know what? I've had my run. I'm the most successful coach at Michigan State. Bob knows him better than I do. But there's not like he's not coming back. Um, Luke's not quitting at Cincinnati to come up 71 today. Uh, Will Muschamp, look, we, we have who we have, and I think that there are things to fix it. Now, what are those things? You have to start blitzing now, and that's run blitzing, because obviously rushing four, playing simple whatever, is not stopping the run. So let's be aggressive. Let's start stunting our D linemen. Let's get them moving, which I know is not a very popular thing, in the building, because typically we've had a four-person D-line that can wreck stuff and get after the quarterback, right? Well, maybe we don't have a four-down D-line that can wreck stuff when they just block with five. So you know what you got to do? You got to send more than five then. Or at least send one, and then you have a five-on-five, five, and, and then you say, hey, do we beat do we beat a one-on-one? Do we beat our man? Or is this something where it's not going to, you know, we have to send six when they have five? And then now we have to start trying to guess on, are they sliding the protection? Are they going 5-0, meaning the 5-0 linemen have the five down, and we got to send a linebacker somewhere free, hopefully, and hope they don't catch the man out of the backfield? These are all things you got to consider now. And so that is what they can do. They can say, you know what, we haven't used any of these blitzes. We've tried to kind of go about it, rush it four, seeing how that works. Well, you know what, that's not getting there. So maybe we do have to blitz more. And so you say, well, what's that do to the back end? They're gonna be like maybe you don't play man blitzes. Maybe by down and distance, if you have a little third and seven, you play fire zone and you cover the inside guys and make them throw to the flat. You rally, V tackle, boom, you get off the field. They needed seven, they got six. So we used to play back in the day. Um, so I don't. There are solutions, but the solution is not going to be someone coming from out of retirement or unemployment to come into the building. It's going to come from the guys in there talking, coming up with new ideas. Um, certain rooms saying, you know what, maybe we don't like doing all this. We will acquiesce because for the benefit of the defense, um, you know, and find and then and then find your top, your absolute top dudes, and play them and let them play all game. You know, if it's Cody Simon, let Cody Simon play every single let snap. Make mistakes until he's let tired. Stay out. Let there. Tommy play every single snap. If that's I don't who mind. You play your even best. If you ha- Yes, I don't even mind if you have certain guys for certain packages, right? Like if Tommy's a four three Mike, and then when they go, we go four two five, and he comes out. Sure, take him out. That's fine. That's part. It's called package stuff. But I don't want he's a four three Mike, and then the next series we're in four three. It's somebody else, and the next series it's back to Tommy. Because guess what? When that counter hits with a puller, hey, we saw this earlier. I did it, Coach. I was on the bench. I didn't see that play. I could have if I was out there for every single play, but I wasn't because we're rotating. And so maybe some other new guys come in when it hits for the second or third time, and we sit here saying, that's the third time they've run it. Not that kid on the field. It's the first time he's seen it. Yeah. Maybe if he was on the field the whole game, he would have saw it two more times and maybe would have adjusted a little wider. So 
I, I just think there's there's solutions in house, but the panic and the hey everyone's gotta everyone's gotta go like no there there are people in the building they have plenty more games to fix it, and then if it doesn't get fixed then you then you re- you bring it back up, but mid season like this I think it's incredible it's not gonna it, it's not gonna change the thing is is like and here's the thing too the blitzes that you do have. Now you call them and run them, and you hope the blitzes that you've installed are good enough. But the idea that you're going to totally reshape the whole scheme, like, no, you know how many hours they have into this scheme? It's just calling the right calls now. But the amount of... You can coach up things like disguise and showing and this and that. That stuff guys can, can catch up on. But as far as like totally revamping who you are, that's, I mean, that's a pipe dream, man. I mean, that's stuff that you would see on message boards, and I'm not against message boards, but like... In a realistic in a locker room, no, it just it can't happen. You have the stuff that you've installed. We did this in the Rams at one point. I mean, we we were doing so much like man stuff over and over and over, and teams started to catch up to us to where Greg said, "You know what? Here are some blitzes that we've installed that are zone. I don't like doing fire zone, but maybe we run it better than the man stuff that I did in New Orleans." You know, and next thing you know, you threw what you had in the playbook, and it surprises teams. Oh gosh, they haven't shown this. They never run this. So what is that for us? You know what is that for us? Is it a fire zone? I don't. I don't know. I'm just saying there are there are things to do. You just have to trust that Carrie and the rest of that staff will get together and we'll brainstorm and and hopefully find something that that works for the guys. I think it's incredibly panicky to be talking oh, gosh, yeah. about it. It's incredibly panicky. I don't think yep. it's how Ohio State football behaves um, as a program. I don't think you do that. You don't see this very often in the <clears throat> National Football League let alone in college football. Um, you know, you, you want to start getting this fixed. Um, I think I think in a way the bed was made. I mean, you think about when Greg Madison left. I mean, there's nobody on that defense now other than Kerry Combs who's called defense. Yep. There's, there's nobody there, yep. right? That's So they've put themselves in this spot a little yep. bit in terms yep. of there aren't – there isn't somebody else out there that's going to go, yeah, I did it this way. Maybe let's give this a shot. There's that, From a collaboration standpoint, there isn't that – that's a big deal to yeah. not have somebody like Greg Madison in that room. Yeah. With the experience that he has. So, so that's of course gone. There is. Um, have, look, at least in the coaching staff meetings, Paul Rhodes is an experienced D coordinator. He can at least say, hey, here are some pressures that I think we could put in or here are some tweaks to our coverages. Yeah. Now – that's assuming Paul Rhodes is the answer, right? Like that's assuming yeah. that he is the guy that has some of the answers to help Kerry. It's assuming Kerry wants to listen. That's I mean, there's a lot of assumptions here. There's I'm not saying pay attention to the scores. I'm just yeah. saying there is obviously pride when it comes to a lot of these guys. Egos. It's you can get recommendations left and right. I mean, this happens all the time on staffs where guys uh, recommend stuff. The D coordinator, you know, either says that no, no, no because he's the one in charge, or he says, okay, I'll think about it, and then you never see it. I mean, I've seen that plenty of times in, in, my, in my career in St. Louis. Um, the good ones know how to massage egos. They make you feel good with your recommendation and then never put it in. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, now, there are also really good ones I've seen that take recommendations and are willing to adapt and adjust. Um, and so I, I don't have enough experience around Coach Combs to know wh- how he's like. Um, he comes across as one that's really willing to collaborate, right, yeah, with everybody. I, I think that but, that's on point. But I don't know, like I have no, I have no reference for for Coach Rose, right? Like I don't know if like no, I don't so know. I don't. So this is, so it's, it's impossible for us to be like, well, if we give him a little more say, I, I don't know. 
I don't know what that's like. Um, but regardless, I, I think as far as the pipe dream for Buckeye fans about someone walking into the building, that's not happening. What's happening is they're going to go to battle with the guys you have and you reassess at the end of the year. And you hope that things start to get a little bit better and confidence grows throughout this these next, what, four weeks? Which Well, it's going to. That's the other point. It's going to. It will get better. It's going to get better this week. Tulsa, now, Akron, some of this and Rutgers. Stuff is finite. Rutgers, I assume, will get better. Yeah. But when it comes to Maryland... Maryland's going to be... Maryland's going to test day. the hell out of you when it comes to their skill yeah. on our defense. So there's some direct questions I want to ask you specifically about what we're doing defensively and what we see. And we will get into that. You'll hear uh, from Ryan Day's press conference yesterday, which was a fascinating one. It was the first one that he had where he was uh, you know, questioned legitimately yeah. questioned about decisions that he had made and what is next that that hadn't happened before uh that hadn't happened before he's a disappointing press conference sure but not like this this was different uh we will have that for you coming up a little bit later as well it is your first friday uh it is a hey guys first friday so if you have questions on bucks browns bourbon raising boys vacation raising girls how to decide what what streaming i got a good one yesterday on car. instagram so i hope chops chooses it okay um there you go i thought it was pretty entertaining but get those uh, in Get those yep. in, and we'll handle that. We're off and running. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place. This is your heritage sports talker and home of Ohio State Athletics. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Big in Montana and also Minnesota and everywhere else, too. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. Hey, friends. Bo Bishop here in Mortgage Rates and Plummeted. It's the lows of the year, your home value, high of the year, and you can take advantage of this specific situation with my friends at Neighborhood Lender. You can refinance now with Neighborhood Lender, pay zero closing costs, even skip the next one or two house payments altogether, and they do this at Neighborhood Lender. They make refinancing easy. It's an all-digital, super-fast platform. You won't believe how easy it is. There's no paperwork, no junk fees, no big bank hassle. You can refinance right now. You can snag the rate of your lifetime. You can lower your house payment with no closing costs. It's a local company, too, guys. You can also refinance, get cash out of your home's equity. People are getting tens of thousands of dollars out of their equity, paying off debt, applying it to their home, remodeling their kitchen, doing an outdoor project. You need to act now. They'll get a better loan, get cash out, lower your payment, pay zero in closing costs, and skip your next house payment altogether. Call Neighborhood Lender, 614-882-LOAN, 614-882-LOAN, NeighborhoodLender.com, 614-882-LOAN. It's an equal housing lender, NMLS 69349. Not all loans apply for no closing cost option subject to lender approval. All right, these are these are some of the things that you see, and, and you're going to hear from Ryan Day in a second from his press conference from yesterday. Um, let me just, let me, all right, so the single high safety look that, that we want to play. So that comes from Ryan Day, right? And this is rare. You don't see this that often yep. in college football. Usually, In fact, a lot of times you see three safeties yep. in college football, but pr- probably prim- prim- primarily three, and then the second would be two. So the idea of playing one single high safety, what is the objective? What do you have to do, have to do that? Why would you run that? Yeah. So single high safety will give you the opportunity to say, hey, we're going to try to keep everything the same run fit-wise for the linebackers, for the safeties filling in those gaps, um, you're you're given the appearance of zone, man, what is it? Um, are they in three deep? Are they in single high? And you're trying to just keep it simple for your defense to be able to know where they're supposed to align to any formation, right? It's, it's the idea behind what Seattle used to do. And the idea was if we're going to play man or three deep, a lot of the run fit gaps are exactly the same. Now, there's little tweaks here and there due to, obviously, if I'm in zone, I can really stay in this A gap if I'm a Mike in 3 by one If it's man and I have the tight end, 
Well, now, I mean, it just depends. If it's man low hole, that guy's free. He gets to stay in the same exact gap. Guess who has the tight end? The safety that would creep down, right? That would insert to the field side. So when the corner, when the quarterback sees that safety come down, he doesn't know, all right, is that man or is this the zone? Because whether it's cover three or cover one, these guys in a three-by-one are lined up the exact same, right? Safety comes okay. down the passing strength most of the time. You want to have your, obviously, more athletic safety in zone or man to the passing strength. Uh, to where more of the routes are going. And two by two, same thing. Safety can come down to the nickel side, to the passing strength, or if you want to come weak, come weak. But whatever it is, you can mirror calls to the quarterback. You say, well, what if they go in motion? We used to sometimes, if you had really good athletes, you can bump the motions, um, you know, and try to make all motion adjustments the same to try to not give the quarterback a man's own declaration. But the idea is all the shifting and motioning, the gaps stay the same, right, for the guys in the run fits. And so what's frustrating is that you're seeing some of these gaps um, be missed. And, and then I heard, you know, on the long touchdown run that there was a miscommunication between some of the linebackers. Um, and so when that happens, now, it's, now that's on the players. If it's well, getting communicated to you, you've got to talk to each other. You got, we all got to be on the same page. I heard and Rick, so it goes Rick back to that. who's the alpha. Like if we're talking about what the call yeah. is and there's two different, you know what, you check to something basic – this happens so many times in St. Louis. It's loud, it's third down, or it's second down, whatever, right? It's just, things are chaotic. I'm trying to scream to Norris Jenkins, who doesn't want to jog to the huddle because he says that he needs to save his energy because he's covering people all day. That's fine. So I'm trying to signal to him. And if he looks at me with a confused look of like, what in the heck are you trying to say? I do a hand signal for cover two. We get out of it. Oh, but it was third and one. You gave up the first down. That's fine. I'll give them a seven-yard gain. You know what they didn't get? They didn't get a 65-yard touchdown because we had a drop coverage off a of miscommunication. So we'll live. I'll live with the six-yard gain. And maybe next time on third one, I'll check it to a man thing, and we'll all be on the same page. But I'm not going to sit here and having t- you know, 10 guys playing one coverage, one missing it, because all it takes is the slight chance that the one guy who's in the wrong call, he gets exposed on a pass or he's in the wrong fit on a run, and next thing you know, the guy's hitting his forehead on the goalpost. So... I, I just there, the idea is to keep it very simple, okay. and play fast. Very simple, Bo, so you can play everything, right? What's the biggest thing under Shiano? We are doing so much. Right. These guys don't even know how to rep. Like when you do a lot of stuff on defense, you can't rep those things. There's not enough practice time to every single offensive play you can get. But when you play simple scheme, three one, you can rep. You know what teams are going to do? They're going to run routes that are meant to beat cover three and one. So how are we going to play them and make sure that we're just better than them? So when they run the all-go special or the back shoulder fade, which we know we're going to get on cover one or three because it's all the same, it basically three turns into man anyway on a vert, how are we going to play the routes that we know teams like to run against you know cover three or, or man beaters? And then you just say, hey, we're going to rep them so much through the week that we'll be so prepared that we're going to play fast and we'll shut them down. The problem is when we're getting the game day, we're not shutting them down. They're executing. So now what? Well, this is what I was going to. So this, is, this is where I'm at with this. So um, it's it's a spo- it's a simple scheme, uh, but from what I've seen in two games, and, and going back to Alabama, where we had Tep, Tup Orland trying to cover Devonte Smith, it's easily yeah. manipulated, or we're easy to be manipulated in it. However, you want to yeah. say that, uh, because Joe Moorhead knew exactly what he was doing. He would take guys yep. in motion, which would cause confusion and open up gaps the size of which Chopper could run through. Right. So. Yep. 
that was something he was he was using the motion to manipulate our linebackers and open up holes. Now we saw Alabama do this, Sark did this in the national championship game where all of a sudden Tufts trying to cover the Heisman winner. Well, you can't have that. That's not a win for you. That's yeah. not a win. So this has happened before. So okay, we have a very simple scheme that right now is getting easily manipulated. Okay, that's a problem. We have a simple scheme where our own players are confused about what they're supposed to do. So how the hell does that happen? Well, that, that can't happen. If it's simple, how, why are we confused? How do we not know what our assignments are? Yeah. And we, guys, you guys have all seen that whether it's on social or you've, if you have, uh, you know, you've seen some of the stuff bounce around some of these plays where we have, we have linebackers who are, who aren't moving until the ball's six yards down the field. They're stuck. We have linebackers so that, that are, aren't hitting the lost. right gaps. We have D right. linemen that are hitting the gaps that they're not supposed to hit. Right. Um, which means that the linebackers are trying to cover up for them and fit for them, which sounds really good on paper and while holding a clicker, it's really hard on the football field. So, like, if you're, for instance, if I'm stacked in the A-gap, right, which is between the center and the guard, and you have a three technique, for me it would be Aaron Donald from time to time. Um, other guys, I remember just talking to Bobby about this, he used to do, play behind Indomitian Sue. And if you give that three technique the opportunity to choose whatever gap he wants, the reason why I'm stacked here, Coach, in the A-gap is because if they run towards me, I'm going to go hit that center in the face, and I'm going to control my A-gap, and then I'll shed and run to the ball. But if I go to run and anticipate in that A-gap, and now I have Aaron Donald in my A-gap, and then mid-step I try to adjust my angle from being downhill to more of a 45 degree to try to cover on his B-gap, what do you think that guard's going to do? He's going to pass Aaron off to the center, and now he's coming up to me, and guess what he has on me? An angle, because he's aligned wider. And now I'm cut off, and you're yelling at me, make the play in the B, play off him. What do you mean, play off him? That sounds great when you're holding a clicker, and you have a beer belly on the sideline. Why don't you go out there and play off him? Yeah. You know? So now if that's going to be the case, and you say, well, why don't you just widen out and stack him? Because I don't know that's where they're running. Because if they run weak, guess what happens? Now Aaron's cut out of the B gap, and I have to. I'm stacking him, and now you want me to run to that A gap, and that guard has the same angle on me. So if I knew that's where they were going to run, I would line up right there. If I knew that's how I was going to play out, but you're asking me to react. Well, it all play varies. Four yards, you know. So everyone has to be held accountable. That's D line too, and you're seeing D linemen getting backdoored, all this stuff as well, not playing their gap. So when that happens, you know, that was one of the biggest negatives people had about, you know, Luke's defense was that, like, the D lineman doesn't penetrate. They don't, pen- they don't penetrate because we would, they would try to hold up the line of scrimmage. Those guys would play their gaps. Cam Hayward would play his gap. Dexter Larimore would play their gap. It would allow us to flow downhill as linebackers fast, hit our gaps, and then clean up anything that popped. And it wasn't perfect all the time. But when you let the D lineman, hey, just play off him, okay, so one play he's in the A, one play he's in the B, and the next play we're both in the B, and now we're both in the A, and now it's a 25-yard run. Now, now, and if your safety can't save you, now it's a 70-yard touchdown run. So if the last one's really, really interesting because this all marries, right? It yeah. all marries. The defense and then has you have to guys marry. Starting, so, so this gets to this point. Well, right, and so this gets to this. All right, so we're playing a simple system. Uh, where we're confused. We're playing a simple system that's easily manipulated. We're playing yeah. a system that has a lack of adjustments where we get hit with the same thing over and over and over again. We thought it was the national championship game. We saw it against Oregon. We're playing too yeah. many guys. We're playing, what did yeah. I say yesterday? Chops, what was the stat? 26 guys? 26, yep. Played 15 on snaps. offense. 15 on offense. 26 guys played defensively. Now you're going to have rotations. D-line is a hot day. Fine. You're going to have rotation on the defensive line. You go nickel, dime, base, my guess is you're primarily in nickel. I haven't seen. I haven't looked at the all twenty-two. That'd be my guess. Um, nevertheless, you're going to have some rotation. Not twenty-six. So you're playing too many guys. 
right? Here's the yeah. last one. You said a safety to save you. Folks, and this is the hard reality, Chase Young's not walking through the door. Malik Hooker's not walking through the door. Jeff Okuda, right. Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward, they're not walking through the door. Ryan Chazier's not at linebacker. Neither is Threes. Neither is Darren Lee or Joshua Perry. There are not pros. There are not those type of pros. So you factor all of that in, and you have the press conference that Ryan Day had yesterday, and you're going to hear from it coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Get it straight from the horse's mouth. But he's not a horse. He's a coach. The Ryan Day Show. Thursday at noon. The Fan. It's Bishop and Laurinaitis' What's Up. What's up, man? Sponsored by your Central Ohio Honda dealers. All right, here's what's up on a first Friday. Ryan Day press conference yesterday getting a lot of attention. Um, and, and I think justifiably. Um, Coach Day was asked, uh, we've gone over the defense, we've talked about it a lot. He was asked yesterday directly, is Kerry Combs still your defensive coordinator? Yes or no, is Kerry Combs the defensive coordinator? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's still the defensive coordinator, yes. But we're going to look at everything, and we're going to keep working towards Tulsa and figure out how the you know how the staff is is working together, how the scheme works together, and then and then we'll go from there. And uh, lighter moment there. We'll get to some others. This was uh, if he was at, he was asked directly if he was considering staff changes right now. It's going to be kind of overtime, yeah. And um, we'll get there, but but right now we're just going to kind of work through it and figure out again. You know, let's let's have a great day of practice today. What gives us the best chance against Tulsa, and then. You know, as we get closer to the game, we'll figure out if we need to move things around for game day. This was the one that's getting a lot of attention. Uh, he was asked about if he was going to help out on defense and what impact that would have on him. Here was the here's that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not happy about that at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's part of the deal is that you know here for me to do what I need to do on offense, I need um, you know the defense really on point, the special teams on point. I need Mark Pantoni to do a great job in recruiting. McMurray to handle strength and conditioning, and the minute that I get taken away from those type of things, then it affects everything else that, that's going on in offense. And so, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, that um, you know, I'm disappointed. That was probably the only one. I, there's been a lot made of this press conference. That that one right there was probably the only one where I thought he answered it like an offensive coordinator, not the head coach. Does that make sense? I think it was the biggest hint. You know, like everyone thought that, like we all know that Ryan Day is heavily involved on the offense, right? But I think that that response kind of verbalizes that he is solely invested. Like he is not only he is he is the offensive coordinator, and so his mindset during the week is, I don't want to worry about the defense. I know what I want it to look like, but I don't want to go worry about the defense. I'm I am in, you know, super deep in. He's he's head play caller, right? I mean, he is sure. head decision making on that side of the port. So we have Coach Wilson. We have. Um, who by and the all way, the assistants over quick, there was an no elite play caller at Oklahoma. Delegation, yes, right. <laughs> it was elite but, and has yes. been a head coach at Indiana. Yes. So he has people Absolutely. he can lean on in yes. that side of the of the of the building. But I don't think he is fully. He's leaning on for game like planning. Yeah. I think he's leaning on for um, you know certain coordination when it comes to the ground game and and you know passing spots in the field and mirroring together ideas and all that. But when push comes to shove, he's making the calls. Because and I, and I don't know if that's just because that's what he wants to do, which I'm sure it is. Um, we hired him because of his QB prowess, but this is not and this isn't a bad thing. There's other coaches that are like this. I'm just saying it is what it is. He is the head coach who's also the offensive coordinator calling plays. 
And the way that he wants it to operate is he doesn't want to have to go worry and take time away from himself on the sideline when he's thinking about how do I adjust the defense, worrying about our own defense and how they're executing. Um, what I would I, say, real quick pushback yeah. on that, though, is if, if that is the way that you feel, and it very clearly was by the answer, and I don't blame him for it. I'm guessing that's how Lincoln Riley feels. Like, I, I don't want to worry about what's over there. Like, yeah. that's, that's probably how Spurrier felt, right? That's yep. not my – I'm going to do this. This isn't yep. new. I mean, a lot of guys have done this. Um, you know, I'm going to do the offense and, and you, and you handle the defense. Then right. when you have an opportunity to make a staff change, you got to make sure that that room has checks and balances mm-hmm. and people in that room who can call defense, who have called it before. Look, it's not a secret. And, and you mentioned Rhodes as, a, as, as, you know, an analyst or whatever, but like Saban's been doing this forever. Yeah. Like when somebody, he goes and hires a former head coach to be his defensive coordinator, to be his offensive coordinator, because yeah. it's, it's the Alabama system. But they've done it before, and they can adjust. Why make all the players adjust, right? Right. Coach adjusts well, to us. Here's the other so news flash. When, when you quick. make the hire, and and you Greg Madison leaves, yeah, then maybe put somebody in that room who's done it. True. And I will say the the issue is, and this is this is gonna this is the other thing too. We can sit here and say, hey, they should have hired a co. But I guarantee some of the people that they called about being co didn't have a co title before. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, I don't think I'm going to. I don't think I'm going to be a co. Um, why would I leave my position where I'm at now when I can be full-time DC to come be a co-DC? So these guys in the coaching Very profession fair. as well have their own opinions about other coordinators and other staffs and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and although we are a luxurious job, it is not a luxurious job for someone that has been a DC at another program, right, in college football, to then say, hey, come over here and be a co. And you look and you say, hold on, you want me to be a co at a place that has, couldn't stop, I mean, had the worst season scoring defense a year ago. You want me to come there? How loyal are you to me versus that person if you're not willing to fully rip the band aid off? Ah, do I want to jump in there? Well, how will they view me? Will they view me as a new guy, like I'm some savior and kind of resent me? Um, there's a lot of dynamics to it. Yeah. So it's not right. Like, we don't know who Ryan inquired about. No. There was rumors that he tried to reach out to Marcus. Um, I don't know. I haven't asked Marcus if those are true or not. Yeah. But who knows? Who else did he reach out? I, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know who he reached out to that said, no, no, thank you. I'll come to be full-time DC, but I won't come to be co-DC. And maybe he said, you know, I'm just not comfortable with that yet. It doesn't even have to be a co-DC. It can just be someone who called plays before yeah. who's doing a different job. Well, I think that's like, why they have Paul Rhodes there. Right, but he probably that, needed yes. to be on the staff. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, they had an opportunity to do that. They made a change. Yeah. And they you know, they took an offensive assistant, him, make him a special teams coordinator. Like, assistant. Yes. Yeah. They, they, yeah. That's what they chose to do, so they've kind of made their bet on this thing. Yeah. Um, but look, there, there's, there's, I'll give you... On the other side of this quick timeout, I'm going to give you a couple of things that would make you feel very, very differently about all of this. Is all right in the world? No, it's not. Does it have to get better? Yes. But our perception is based on the reality that we've just lived. And if it's an alternate one, you feel very, very differently, and you can do it with just scheduling? We'll get into it coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. All the dumb things we say are on demand when you want them. Just utilize the computer chip we've implanted into your brain. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Pushing the limit of how many times you can say the word thing in one show. That's the next thing. That is the next thing. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. 
And join the fan for the Ozone Tailgate on Lane for the best game day tailgate in town. Catch the pregame show with Matty Ice, Tyvis Powell, listen to live music. Watch the game if you're not headed inside. Be sure to bring cash for your favorite tailgate refreshments. The Ozone Tailgate on Lane, sponsored by Kohler, Buckeye Power Sales, White Claw, your local Columbus Hyundai dealer, and Jack Daniels. We will see you on Saturday. Uh, you feel different. If you open Tulsa, Akron, mm-hmm. Oregon, Minnesota, you're going to feel differently. Now, would that have masked the problems? Probably. Does yeah. this force change? Yeah. Not necessarily in terms of the personnel on the staff, but the way you're going about your business. Folks, you can't yeah. play 26 guys. No. That has to lead to the confusion, Threes. You played the position. You've told the stories about how Luke says, James, it's the fourth quarter. We're up 40. Come I on. And you're like, no. I tried to fight him. Why? I'm because staying in. Coach, hey, Coach, here, let me tell you why. I set senior goals. And one of those is leading the Big Ten in tackles. And that includes this game against the Penguins. Yep. Week one. So that's why I came back. Don't pull me for B-roll. And then he'd look back at me and quit being selfish. I'm not being selfish. being competitive. No, it's not. Okay, whatever. <laughs> and then I'd walk over and I'd talk trash about him to Marcus. And we'd, you know, hope he rolled his ankle and had to be on crutches, you know, walking up the ramp. <laughs> and then who knew no, that he'd but be adopted by coach. And, you know. He's, and now he's estranged. Yep. You know, so now, now you get the, the whole yeah, thing. Now he's the prodigal yep. son. You know, the the other thing that happened here uh, over, you know, so so here so here's what can be fixed. I, I think the only thing that can be fixed right now, because you're not going to teach a new scheme. I don't believe that they're going to bring anybody else in in the middle of the season. I just think that would be an incredibly panicky move. So I don't think you're going to have that. I don't think they're going to teach a new scheme. So you're going to have the scheme that you teach. And what's the best way to get rid of confusion? I would say play less people. I'm just a guy yeah. on the radio. But I would think yep. play less people and have roles yep. defined that that would yep. help. Yep. That would help. Um, it, it, you get into a flow. You get into a rhythm. There are so many nuances to the game. And I can only speak from linebacker, but I know they exist on others as well. Like D linemen can rotate in and out because those guys get gassed, right? Like they get gassed. They're doing they're, they're, they're doing real dude work. Um there in the trenches, right? Like trying to hold up and roll your hips and withstand a double team for multiple plays in a row and then fight off and run to the ball. Like that's hard on a big human being. So I understand why they rotate. That, that always happens. Um, but when you're in there and I say, hey, you know what? The first time they ran this play and it was a power play and the tackle came up to block me, I tried hitting him and getting over the top. That didn't work. He got yeah. me. So next time, I'm going to try to set him up like I'm doing the same thing, and I'm going to come underneath the block. It's risky, but if I make it, it'll be a big play. And then guess what? If that doesn't work, then you say, you know what? Hey, I'm having a hard time getting over that tackle, coach, when they're running that counter. And they've run it a couple times. Can we pinch our end to like at yes. least have him crash down and knock him off and help me? And then you're able to, to communicate those things. But when you aren't in there for the second time, they run it, and then you trot back out there, and that guy comes off the field. Guess what? That linebacker ain't telling an adjustment to the coach or a recommendation because that's the first time he saw the counterplay. So by the time I see it the second time, but it's the third time they've run it, I'm I'm just trying that next thing that I was, you know that technique thing. So I, I there is a flow to it. That's why you see running backs talking about the flow of the game. Like, yeah. why do you think Jonathan Taylor kept building as a game went on? Because he saw, oh, they're in that defense again. And you know what? Last time I ran this power, that Mike linebacker ran too far. So that backside gap's there. Coach, let's call it again. Let's hope they're in that defense. Because I'm going to hit it right here. Like, you're constantly gathering information right. throughout a game. Let them get And that's it. it. Like, last time, you know, it's like first time they, they show something on tape. A lot of times teams do the same exact stuff. They just window dress it. 
So three by one, tight formation. Maybe they run a little stick route, spot route. Boom, dang it. I didn't recognize it because they went, they motioned to it this time. You know, last week they just lined up in it. So then guess what? The second time that guy trots over to make it three by one. Oh, I'm jumping it. I'm jumping the stick. It's coming. It's coming. Boom. You jump it, pick. Right? Like, of, but if you're not out there for the second time, you're not jumping it. One other thing real quickly here, and I know we're up against it. If I would have told you on Friday that Oregon's going to score 33, yep. do you think we would have won? Say that again? Because I do. If I would have told you Friday, Oregon's going to score 33 points in the shoe, do you think we'll win? What would you say? Yes, I would have said yes. Yeah. yeah. Because I we're going to score 45. Was, yes. I 42. Was, 40, yeah. 49. Yep. Right? Yep. So we're talking all of this about the defense, and it's, it, is, it ain't right. Right? Yep. But we yep. weren't great scoring the football either. And you can move it up and down the field all day long, but if you don't get in the dang end zone, it don't matter much. 28 yep. in today's college football? 29? That ain't enough. You need to be in the yep. 40s to win in college yep. football now. Yep. So we moved it like crazy. 480 yards passing, all this stuff. But we didn't put it in the paint. No. So that that is part of this, too. You know, it's a first Friday. We've talked about defense all week. Should have scored more points. Mm-hmm. You can move it, but money downs, third yep. downs, extending drives, and in the red zone – you got to score. Yeah. So, yeah. It, th- look, the point of all of this, is, this isn't to point out, and it's that football is team. It's the whole thing, man. The defense ain't right, hasn't been right. We've given you some solutions on how to fix it. I think Ryan Day is one of the smartest guys that I've ever, ever been around. He's a really good football coach and a really smart football coach. He'll yep. get that fixed. Yep. But you got to score more than 28 at home. Ain't going to do it. Got to score more. So that's part of it, too. We do. Uh, we hit. We we change gears. We get to the NFL. A little higher, or lower on a first Friday. Get your hey guys questions in too. They can be football related. Don't have to just be fun and games. Although we like those as well. Uh, second hour up next. Bishman Laurinaitis right here on the fan. Top shelf conversation from top shelf gentlemen. That's a pretty emphatic situation. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. Second hour here on a first Friday. Get your Hey Guys questions in. Hashtag Hey Guys to Chopper at 971BLS. BLS at 9 p.m. That's it. Join the Fan 10 TV and the Ohio Education Association. We offer classroom heroes in these times, teachers and educators. Need the support and recognition more than ever. Nominate your classroom hero at 971thefan.com. Before we get to higher or lower NFL edition of the program, uh, I just did see this um, on the uh, Dan Patrick this morning saying that uh, there is mutual interest between James Franklin and USC. Ooh, um, of course there is. There would be some mutual interest yeah. there. You don't think James Franklin would look you know great out there and... I, mean, I, I think, think he's, he'd be a good fit for him. Agreed, and I think he's done his job. Yes. He's stabilized that, Penn now State. Now does that get Luke into State College? <clears throat> well, um, from the, on the Franklin side of it. Is that a better job in Cincinnati in the Big 12? Here's a question that no one's asking. If the Big 12 keeps their Power 5 status, which a lot of people are saying they're going to, does he have a better path at Penn State? Okay, Let, there's several several things to get into here real quickly, and right. we'll get into this at greater length at 11 o'clock. But let's just say this. If Franklin were to go to USC, I wouldn't blame him. Like, he has, he's hitting his head against a ceiling. He has had yeah. to watch a kid that he recruited at quarterback go be a Heisman finalist here. Yeah. 
He's got another kid who he's got committed in Medina through like six touchdowns last week uh, in, in their win and is, is a five-star kid who now Quinn Ewers reclassifies. He's got to worry about Ohio State going and getting him. So he's doing all the work, and he's not seeing that. He's seeing Pennsylvania kids, McCord, yeah. Fleming, come here. That's right. So I don't blame him, and he stabilized the program. He's got a good program at Penn State. That thing could have went a million different ways. I think he's done a good job uh, there. So I don't blame him for that, and I think he'd do well there. I think he'd recruit yeah. really well there, um, and and I think he wouldn't have to deal with running into Ohio State, and he wouldn't yeah. have to deal with some of the shortcomings that the Penn State program has. Um, yeah. On the Luke thing, would that entice Luke? You'd know better than me. My hunch is that it would be one that would you'd go, well, you got to listen. you got to listen to Penn State. Uh, yeah. That's in the region. You know, It's not the type of city I would imagine that they would want, that Amy and the kids would, would want to live in, but that's a job that yeah, you got to consider. I'll give you another name, Jeff Halfley. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. At Boston College, we know what he's about. Uh, I think he can recruit young. Um, yeah, I don't know Jeff Halfley as, as obviously as intimately as I know Luke. Right. The big question is, I don't know. This is just ignorance. This isn't anything else. I just don't know the Catholic school system in Happy Valley. Right. Um, from Luke's perspective. From Luke's perspective, that is a that is something of great importance. So that's why a lot of times, you know, you say to yourself, what's the uh, job that would entice him? That's why Notre Dame comes up. Um, it's a natural fit for Luke if, if Brian Kelly steps down. That's why um, I had a buddy yesterday text me and said, the battle between Cincinnati and Notre Dame, whoever loses, uh, Marcus or Luke will be told to kindly leave the chat for who will replace <laughs> BK. And I'm like, stop. Um, but... It's it's fascinating because these are the jobs that are geographically right. When you start to think of both at Notre Dame and at Penn State, you can still recruit Ohio, um, and so it, he, the the knack and that was look that was a knack for Mark D'Antonio. Let me get the kids that are getting overlooked, you know, by um, Ohio State. That there's not enough offers to offer every good football player in Ohio. Yeah, there's just not. And even so, there's not enough offers to offer some of the elite ones. You talk about the kid at Medina. The reason right. why he wasn't at first is because we had Quinn Ewers coming in. When you offer the number one overall recruit that you've ever gotten, and you say, well, we don't have room for another. You know, like I understand it's the best QB to come through Medina in the school's history, and we usually want to keep those guys here. But yeah. we also got Quinn Ewers, who right. is the top QB recruit ever. So. Sorry, it's just the timing was bad for you to be a Buckeye. And then all of a sudden he reclassifies and you kind of try to slide back in the DMs and say, hey, so about that, are you right. sure you want to go to State College? Yeah. You know, like those are some of the kids that Luke would be able to, it's the same philosophy, let alone the relationships he's established at Cincinnati. And then you're able to take it a little more national. And you don't think that that's that same grit and that same personality that Luke has oh, doesn't, doesn't work in rural PA? Of course. Come it on. would work in western PA. It would work in Philadelphia. Yep. It would work in Maryland. It would, Of course, yeah. I mean, yep. I think Halfley and Fickle would be the two guys. I mean, you call them both right away at Penn State. Uh, and I think you have to listen to both of those jobs. Because here's the deal. And, and we'll get more into Luke in a sec in the 11 o'clock hour. And we'll play his comments on the Cincinnati thing. But... He can't. He probably don't want to wait his whole life for the hope that he can come back to Ohio State, because yeah. who knows? Who yeah. knows yeah. how many opportunities you get at that? Right? That may never happen again. Ryan Day may be here fifteen years, and at that point, you're, you're not doing that if you're Luke. At that point, you're you're too old for that job. So yeah. he he's going to have to make the decision, and he's got a great job right now. 
Yeah. Right? So you have to decide, this might be my one shot to get a job like this. And do I want to do it? It's a very similar conversation that Chris Peterson had to have mm-hmm. at Boise State. And he said no to a lot of stuff. And then he took Washington. Now, that he got him to a college football playoff. I don't know how much more you can expect at Washington. He got him there. Right? Yep. But he turned yep. down SC. He turned down those type of jobs along the way. Yep. So, so that's that's the position that Luke's in right now. Um, and, and and it's going to be fascinating to see what it does. But I thought I should get that to you on the uh, on the James Franklin mutual interest, and I expected that there would be. Uh, time for a little NFL higher, lower. Hit it, Chopper. All right, boys. This is going with the ESPN NFL Nation power rankings. The Buccaneers, they come in at number two, higher or lower. Well, look, to be the man, the beat you got to beat the man. That's the deal, right? Super Bowl champions. To me... Kansas City's better. Yep. I watched them both play. I think Kansas City's better. So I have no problem with Kansas City being where they are. I think I think Tampa Bay's fine at number two. Uh, I think it's appropriate. I understand they're the Super Bowl champions. Um, but I think Kansas City's better. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's where, when you look at the two teams, um, that's why it's so hard to judge the Buccaneers because you have. And I still have in my mind how they looked all season last season until the Super Bowl. You know, even in the playoffs, like I guess Green Bay, they looked really good too. Yeah, but it's like they found this, you know, this pass rush, and there at times it showed, you know, opening night. But at times, like you still see the issues in the secondary. Um, it's just it's weird, you know. Like they'll get to the playoffs and then they'll probably try to flip a switch. But you know how I feel about teams that. Try to flip a switch, but who knows? With with uh, with uh, Giselle's voodoo and all that stuff, um, they make it happen. But I think Kansas City is a better team, and I, I don't disagree with the the one two decision there. The Bills are the highest ranked team with a loss at fifth, higher or lower. Uh, I I vehemently disagree. I think that if you're going to put the the highest one loss team, it should be the Browns. The Browns were in control against the best team that you have ranked number one up there. And the Bills lost when they were up at for a half and then fell apart and got beat by more than a score by the eight team. I'm not sure I'm not sure about the logic. I mean not a lot there's not a lot of logic out there at times, you know, in today's world, but that's that's one of them. It's kinda of like the AP poll. These two right. teams play head to head. You know? And one is wait, what? How are they still Huh? Anyway, so Buffalo lost at home to Pittsburgh. Yes, Pittsburgh got a pretty poor game out of Ben Roethlisberger, and in part, and and in, in because of that, really not much from uh, from Harris, from Najee Harris. A lot of that was Ben couldn't hit the broad side of the barn, and yeah. Najee was hoping on these release things he'd miss him left and right. Not that I was paying attention because I have him on fantasy or not, uh, but that <laughs> happened over and over and over again. Pittsburgh didn't play particularly well, and they won. Yeah. How the heck's Pittsburgh yeah. below Buffalo? That makes no sense. Yep. And you're right. The best one-loss team is Cleveland. Yep. But they, that, that, that makes no sense. They need to be lower than five. Yes. And Josh Allen did not look good. No. He missed some not. guys. He missed throws. Yeah. Um, it almost looked like a, 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 he reverted to a the bit. Josh Allen the year before, you know, yeah. where he had thought about accuracy and all that. So, yeah. you know, I think that's, that's the issue. Since you guys were talking about it, Cleveland is sixth, higher or lower. Well, well, I said they just by they, nature of yeah, having Buffalo. By having Buffalo, I think they should be. I think fifth is where they should be. I'm, I'm fine. So, 
the way that this goes, it goes Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Seattle three. I would have the Rams ahead of Seattle, so I would go Rams then Same. Seahawks, um, and then I'd actually I would, have, you know what? I'd actually have them six. I'd have. You know, if you're going to have, like, one-loss teams, I just think the Arizona Cardinals, with the way they beat a playoff team, manhandled a playoff team, um, was super impressive, too. So it wouldn't bother me if you had the Cardinals up ahead of of the Browns, you know? But regardless, I'm good with the Browns being at five. Yeah. It should be higher. Other Ohio team, the Bengals are 24th, just one spot higher than the Vikings, who they beat. Well, at least they're higher Higher than the Vikings. Right? I mean, good job there. They beat the team that's right below them. Well, that would make sense. Um, as you look at the teams above them, I think they're better than the Washington football team. Now, that football Washington football team, that D-line is insane. But when you put uh, Tyler Heineke in there now instead of or Taylor Heineke. Is Taylor? Tyler? I don't know. It's one of those. You said it, pal. I don't know. I said it all. <laughs> one of them will catch. Um, but, you know, I think there's a little bit of fool's love right now with Philadelphia. Um, I see the same a, about Vegas, too. Yep. So it's a little I, bit of foolishness, but I'm fine with 24. I mean, they have they have to uh, I'll put it this, they have to overcome the you know they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? They have to overcome their reputation. So I'm okay with it. I could have them a little higher. I could you could convince me they're I think they're probably better. You mentioned the football team, Carolina. I think they're more dangerous than Carolina is offensively. Although I think Carolina is well coached. Philly, I think, is a little bit of a. Uh, you mentioned them. Uh, same with Denver. I think some. I think there's some really bad teams in the NFL, and some of the teams I mentioned took advantage of that. I think. I think Cincinnati, on a week to week basis, is pretty terrifying to play. Yeah, because of what they have offensively. Same. And if Burrow play, there were some throws Burrow made that were just incredible. Uh, yeah. Not for the velocity, but because of the the anticipation. He made a throw to Jamar Chase where Chase hadn't even begun to make his break, and the ball was yeah. already ready to be released. Uh, I saw Ben Baby tweet that out yesterday. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That means Joe No has complete command of what he wants to do offensively. That's a problem for a lot of people. We'll get two more in here. The Texans rose all the way up to number 29. Higher or lower? Real quick. Real quick. <laughs> Go ahead. Bo, do you yeah. know who had a really good game for them? He's a rookie. For wide Cincy? receiver, no, for uh, Houston. Nico no, Collins. I didn't watch. Do you know oh, where Nico the, Collins went to oh school? Oh boy, another one of those. Yeah, he went to Michigan. It's amazing yeah. how they had Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples Jones on the same wide receiver core. They both did nothing in college, yet both are, you would say, rising in the National Football League, huh? There must well, be had, something they, called development that's being missed up there. They had Nico Collins and Zach Charbonnet on the same team a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Three overtime first Rutgers. Chop. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, I think this is the least talented team in football, but they've got vets. Right? They've got vets. Yeah. And and yeah. vets are going to – vets know what they're doing. What yeah. you saw from Jacksonville was a team that didn't know what it was doing. Yep. So that's how this happened. I'm guessing this will revert back to the norm this week, and I think Cleveland will hammer them. Um, but I, at the same time, you got to tip your hat to some veterans who played hard. I'll put it this way: They should be up one one, and it is this surprise better me, than New York because right. they're better than the Giants. Might be better than Atlanta too, based on what we I, saw. I'm with you. Atlanta looked like stinky, quit. hot trash. A lot of quit. A lot of quit. Yep, like a, like the diaper pail that I can smell again. <laughs> Last one's a two for Packers. Fell from four to eleventh, while the Saints went from nineteenth to nine, higher or lower. Well. So what do you do with what do you make of Green? I mean, I think I'm fine with New Orleans where they are. I think it was a, a pretty masterful job out of Sean Payton, and I think it was a pretty disgusting job out of Green Bay, uh, the yeah. way they played. 
Um, let's let's just center on Green, Green Bay's got to be below Arizona based on performance. But let's just let's just center on what. How do you make sense of that? I it's hard to. Um, it's hard to. They definitely should be lower. I have them below Arizona um, when it comes to the Packers. I can't make sense. Gosh, I forgot Rondell Moore's in Arizona. So many My weapons. Goodness, so many weapons over there. Like they have literally Kingsbury has like his perperfect it's like he's playing video games he got I have my speed sweep guy in Rondell Moore I got the receivers on the outside like what a novel concept hire a coach draft a quarterback and put him in the best position to succeed and I don't necessarily love Kingsbury no, it doesn't make sense we can't do that we can't do that but that's not you know we don't do that in the NFL though so can't do that let um, him live gosh good job on them I was so wrong in that situation well and I don't know Saints- if you're wrong yet I don't know that you're wrong yet that's true. I, Let's reserve judgment until we see how he That's handles true. some success. So I like this. I, I like this because it's week to week, right? This needs to be week to week. And if the Packers need to be lower based on how they perform, the Saints are still really good job out of Sean Payton. I, but I, I'm, I'm figuring I'm almost having a harder time wrapping my head around Winston's, what is it, five touchdown passes, but yet only throwing for like 130, like 140 or whatever it was. So I think he did it on purpose. Yeah. Is it I real? I think Sean did it on purpose. Well, I don't know if I it is too. or not, but I think Sean's like, I'm going to get this guy rolling. I'm going to get this guy ten feet tall and bulletproof by throwing five touchdowns. Like they ran, they threw it right. in the red zone, in the inside the. T- they true. threw it that's over and over and over. That's, yep. intentional. that's intentional. Like they didn't let anybody run it in. They yep. they threw it in every time. So I think yep. he did that on purpose. He doesn't do anything on accident. Well, that's for damn sure. I know that. <laughs> no, he doesn't. All right, good job. <laughs> you don't even go over to the Greenbrier on accident. No. When there's a cute when there's a cute girl named Miss West Virginia that that's you're right. interested in. That's, That's why right. you, t- you take everything to her. Well, Honey, it's not I hard. value take a you team. so much. I'm going to make the Saints organization lengthen this airport over here at the Greenbrier so that our big plane can land because it's not up to FAA regulations. Right. And I'm going to bring my team there because it's cooler it's up cooler. here in West Virginia. Yeah, and I just—that's how much I adore you. Yeah, but there not you go. married. We'll you know what I, I heard? Uh, I heard Chris Long say this. He was talking smack about West Virginia, and he said that the John Denver song uh, "Country Roads" is actually ris- written about Western Virginia. And not West Virginia, which I'd never Gosh, heard. He's the biggest conspiracy guy in the world anyway, so it's pretty funny. <laughs> I thought, jeez, I, I didn't know that. If that's true, I and he said it, it must be. I mean, he said it. I mean, he is a proud Virginian, so. Yeah. Um, coming up next, I heard something the NFL is doing that is uh, that I think that makes you think, and certainly might make you think about the future of Ohio Stadium. So we get to that. Uh, the NFL big and the TV uh, in week one as well. That's coming up next. Austin Gale at the bottom of the hour. From PFF, Bishop and Laura is right here on The Fan. The only workplace in America to participate in the doorknob fart game. And we also play office basketball and sometimes do radio. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Threes and Uncle Bo. If you know, you know. You're listening to Bishop and Laura Bishop and Laura right here on The Fan. I'm going to tell you about my good friends over there, my guy Buddy and DeLacy. They are both just dropping incredible deals on all their models, Highlanders, Tacomas. I love my Tundra. Got a beautiful white Tundra out here right now, parked in front of the barn. It's gorgeous. If you're in the market for a new car, take advantage of those. But don't forget, if you've thought about selling your car, trading it in, they will buy it from you, even if you don't want to buy one of theirs. So stop by and see my good friends over there at Jermaine Toyota, east of downtown, at 5711 Scarborough Boulevard or on the line, JermaineToyota.net. All right, time for a pop-up Chops movie review. Go, Chops. Oh. 
All right, guys, last night I watched Malignant, the most delightful, terrible, horrendous, fun movie I've seen in a long time. From the director of The Conjuring and Saw and Aquaman, it felt like James Wan pretending to be Sam Raimi trying to imitate a James Wan movie. With a plot so absurd, by the end, I was just left baffled and laughing, and the marketing for this movie does not do it justice. Basically, mysterious, brutal murders are linked to a woman who was in a psychiatric hospital as a child, but are the murders done by her, her imaginary friend, or some paranormal being? Watch and find out. You never know when you're entering a so-bad-it's-good movie, especially when it's made by a big studio, in this case Warner Brothers, and it has a competent and accomplished director attached to it. Then you watch it, and you're confused at first. Then you think, oh, this movie isn't very good. Then it clicks, and you go, oh, wait, this is actually a grand old time, and you just sit back and enjoy it. I don't want to oversell it, but if you enjoy films where you're questioning how this was even greenlit to be made then this is for you. It's framed and has the sleekness of a James Wan horror movie, but the acting is B-movie at best, and the plot makes no sense. It's not scary, like, at all. But I was shocked, confused, and cackling throughout, sometimes in the same scene. There's also some ridiculously over-the-top action mixed in that feels like it would be more in place with a Matrix movie. I don't know. It's on HBO Max right now. Grading it seems pointless because I don't know if they were even trying to make a serious movie. Either way, Malignant gets a B. There you, well, it's all about the if you enjoy the experience, though, right? So if you enjoyed it, then that's however, whether that was the intended enjoyment or not. Yes, and I, I would recommend it to anybody who likes so bad it's good movies, as I said. So it's a Sharknado situation, although we but don't it's know not. A, but it, I don't think it's be. on purpose, or maybe it is. Right. We don't, don't know if they were trying to be, but that's the Intent solution. is hard to judge in these situations. All right. Um, I, I, want, I know we have Austin Gale coming up shortly. I just want to share this with you. By the way, NFL numbers over the weekend, huge, up 7%. Um, one other lesson that sometimes what's on Twitter and what's reality don't match up, uh, the Manning Brothers broadcast, which I watched of, which was the, the craze of social media, the regular Monday Night Football d- hammered it, crushed it, you know, because – and that's just kind of a lesson that what's on Twitter isn't necessarily uh, reality for the kids out there. One thing I wanted to run by you, though. So I was talking to someone who would would know these things. The NFL, from a sports science standpoint, is very concerned about what's happening with ligaments. We saw Jeff Okuda, um, what happened to him, and the amount of Achilles, and these type of things is happening. And one of the – there's two things they're doing, and I want you to weigh in on them quickly here, my friend. Number one, they're reassessing cleats. Yep. So they don't want cleats that stick. They want cleats that slide. They've been doing this. By the way, they started this back when I was still playing. They had so it's a, been going on that long. Yep. It's so been going on for that long. They people had helmet think, studies, and they yeah. had a turf slash um, cleat studies, and they had actually tried to educate the equipment guys to say, I know that, that linebacker wants to wear that speed cleat. This has been a battle since I was in college. Yeah. Bobby and AJ wearing the, the Vapors that are meant for DBs. Those are meant for guys that weigh 210 pounds and right. less. You know, well, they're sweet, and I'm going to wear them. All right, give me yeah. Louis. Louis, give me. The, I'm taking Louis. four of those. Anyway, um, and so we were supposed to wear the bigger model, a little higher top, a little more supporter of on the ankle. I don't want to wear those. Okay, so this has been a battle. Um, and the length and of the actual cleat. They're bringing yes. those down. And the cleat yes. pattern, they're, they're adding more nubs to the bottom of a cleat as opposed to so few so that you, basically what they're doing is they're promoting sliding yeah. which is going to be a tough battle with players because players don't want to slide but that's what they're trying to push the other you know thing what, that they're you trying know what to slides push slides naturally feet and grass well, and that's that's the other thing <laughs> i'm putting to you right now yes. that's the other thing yes. so this is the nfl is 
not mandating, but pretty close. We're getting rid of the turf. We're getting rid of mm-hmm. it. Except, I'm assuming, except for the indoor. Places. Except for the places where you have no choice. Yeah. But any place you have a choice, or any place it can be done, make Which sure technically, you get it. So here's it's my question. So the Rams did turf. Right. And you say to yourself, you have perfect temperature year-round. And you have the transparent glass on the roof. You just bring in some. I, mean, I guess. I guess. Looking back, though, you can't. You can't install a new. Dra- that would have been pre-planned with drainage. But they could have done it. They, they could have done, done it. it. Yeah. They could have done a natural, just water draining irrigation in there. You're not even having to do the Cardinals thing and the and the Vegas thing where they wheel it out. That that's pricey. Well, but sure. You, but, but you have constant sunlight. You have natural air because the stadium isn't enclosed, and you have. The best place in the world to grow grass, frankly. Look at Pasadena. Right. Yes. So, yep. yeah. Um, and so that brings it to Ohio Stadium. I know they're going to put new turf in that place. we got to figure out a way to do grass. Can't we figure that out here? I know it's below the water table. I've heard all the stuff. There's got to be a way. Well, with Scott's just down the road, you think they should? They would have a chemical for that. I you know? think we'd have, what is it, agronomy? I'm pretty sure we got a pretty good agronomy group at I the school, know. right? Can we figure out how to grow some grass at this place? I mean, it just pains me when I look around college football and I see all this turf everywhere. You talked about the Texas one. There's no reason yep. for it. You're in yep. Austin. It's money, Bo. It saves them money. That's what the whole right, turf company is. You're making enough, said. though, and there has to be some. Look, no, no, look no, what no. happened. I mean, look There's what happened to Proctor. Like, I'm players. not saying all of this stuff is. It's not all ligament bone. It's not all turf related. But yeah. there is scientific fact that yeah. turf is worse than grass, and it's not close. Yeah. So, do the right thing. Austin Gale, up next, director of content, PFF. We'll go around week one of the NFL. Bishop and Lauren, right here on the fan. Telling it like it is, even if that makes you uncomfortable. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. The linebacker, the legend, the liquor cabinet. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. Well, Bishop James Laurenitis with you here. Time to head out on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Always love talking to the guys from PFF. Austin Gale, Director of Content at PFF, joining us now on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Austin, thanks for taking the time. Week one, we've had a couple of days to kind of absorb it all. Uh, We'll get into the specifics with the Browns and the Bengals and our local teams here in a second. Uh, Give me one thing that surprised you that you saw now that you've got a couple of days on week one, and, and maybe one thing that you said, boy, I had a feeling that's how that would go. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise for me was what Atlanta Falcons, three-point favorites over the Philadelphia Eagles, getting absolutely bludgeoned by Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense. Jalen Rager looked good. He's being used more closer to the line of scrimmage. I love that he's being used on screens and leveraging his yak ability. Devontae Smith also playing well. That offensive line was absolutely dominant. And defensively, Javon Hargrave had one of the best games of his career. The back end benefited from a ton of pressure up front. This Eagles team... I don't think competes in the NFC East. I think it's the Cowboys division to lose, but I don't think they're going to be the doormat that maybe I expected going in. And then I honestly think going into this year, you you said we talked about the Browns later. Let's talk about them now. This is a really good football team, a team that should compete with the Kansas City Chiefs to be the best team in the AFC. And I know they didn't win this week, but losing Tredrick Wills did not help. Obviously not having Odell Beckham Jr. did not help. Some could say that's their best punch at the Chiefs. I still think they can perform better. That offense, specifically Baker Mayfield, played well above expectation. And defensively, 
arguably one of the best defensive lines right behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. And on the back end, Greg Newsom having a really good game, the rookie out of Northwestern. This Browns team, if it weren't for Patrick Mahomes, we'd be talking about as the Super Bowl favorite in the AFC. But still, I think we'll be really competitive down the stretch. Austin, one of the games that's hard not to overreact to is what happened with Green Bay and New Orleans. What what team performance there is more realistic to you? Is it New Orleans being that efficient and dominant with Jameis Winston at quarterback not turning the ball over? Or is it the Packers are going to have issues all season long? Which one of those things kind of rings more true after watching the tape? Yeah, I think the New Orleans Saints thing are going to be better than people expected. I think people forget how bad Drew Brees was in his last year with New Orleans, obviously before the season where Jameis Winston's now taking over. You know, you look at Jameis Winston in that game, multiple really successful deep passes down the football field. And all of last season, Drew Brees had two passes completed that traveled more than 30 yards in the air. Jameis Winston did that in week one. Like, he is already having that success down the field, and that makes this offense go. You know, you can talk about the underneath stuff and the slants and, you know, hitting Alvin Kamara out of the backfield, that's great. But when safeties are playing up and they're not afraid of the deep ball, it makes it that much harder for the offense to be efficient. I think with Jameis Winston, he's no Drew Brees. I'm not saying put the Hall of Fame jacket on him now, but he has the arm talent to actually hit all areas of the football field. And if he can maintain this efficiency, he can be a legitimate juggernaut for this New Orleans Saints team. They're not winning that division. Tampa Bay is the best team in the NFC, but still one team that could sneak into the playoffs and actually do some damage. Austin, let's go back to the Browns now. Um, you know, I, 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 we all know the three mistakes. You muff a punt, uh, Nick Chubb fumbles, and then the, the interception that seals it at the end, and you still cover the spread, and we're in a position to beat a team that didn't have any turnovers. Uh, you held them to some field goals. You made Patrick Mahomes punt. To me, that's a win. There's a lot of consternation about what Joe Woods did defensively, but you hit on something that I want to tackle, and that's Greg Newsom and what he gives. They didn't. Zero receiving yards when Greg Newsom was covering uh, a receiver for Kansas City. Denzel Ward, I think it was around 40-41 uh, on him. When you look at the plan, and, and keep in mind, Ronnie Harrison didn't play safety more than five plays. So that exactly what the end, Jeremiah Wusakormo, I think he was on the field for 30-some percent of the snaps. When you think about what they did defensively and what they will do if they play again, how will it differ? I, I do think they have, they did a really good job of forcing pressure onto Patrick Mahomes. It's the only way, I mean, very similar to Tom Brady, like having Patrick Mahomes in clean pockets for more than, you know, 50, 60% of his dropbacks, he's going to beat you. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill are going to beat you. They're going to get open and he's going to find them down the football field wherever he wants. And now, which is, you know, with Jadavion Clowney, with Miles Garrett, this, this front four, I think they can get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And you saw that. Orlando Brown Jr. had one of the worst games of his career playing left tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Lucas Deang, this is a completely rebuilt offensive line. They have five new starters shifted around the different positions, and I think the Browns took advantage of that. Now, down the stretch, I think you saw them lose gas, and you did not see the pressure that you saw early in the game. But if you can maintain those levels of pressure against Kansas City and – Limit the boneheaded mistakes like the you know, muff punt, like the turnovers they had. This team wins that football game, honestly. I think if Jedrick will stay healthy, that's another big benefactor as well. Austin, out of the rookie quarterbacks who started and played, uh, I, I still don't know what Chicago is doing with Justin Fields, um, You know, bringing him in, basically uh, using him as a running quarterback or kind of a, a certain package. It doesn't make sense to me. But just out of the quarterbacks, the rookies that played, who, who impressed you the most? I think Mac Jones was the most impressive. I don't think he obviously didn't bring home the win against Miami, but still 
Brian Flores was throwing everything everything at him in the kitchen sink, and still he maintained a lot of success a lot of success against that really really good defense. And he didn't do anything otherworldly. wasn't a ton of in, significantly impressive balls on his tape, but still he limited mistakes and kept them out, you know kept the New England Patriots in that game. And you compare that to you know Zach Wilson really struggled under pressure against the Carolina Panthers, made a handful of boneheaded decisions, was inaccurate. Trevor Lawrence had three of the worst interceptions I think of his like football career in that game. He was pressing. He also was struggling a bit under pressure, a little bit inaccurate on some of those throws. And then you obviously look at the O'Connor or use kind of his you know, circus additions. And, and here and there, Trey Lance, Justin Fields didn't play enough to really give them the, the nod. Austin, what did you make of, of the Bengals' offense and Joe Burrow in week one? Hey, here's a take. It's still bad. Like, this, this Bengals' offense is not good. Like, Joe Burrow had a arguably below-average game. This offensive line was not all that impressive outside of Jonah Williams, and they ran on early downs at the highest rate of any team in the NFL. And while you know Joe Mixon had some success, he's the highest-rated running back in Week 1, that's, not, that's a very volatile way to win football games, to run the football as often as they did and have limited success through the air, a ton of checkdowns, low average at the target. You know, outside of that Jamar Chase you know, touchdown reception, I don't think it was all that impressive from Joe Burrow there are still concerns with this Bengals team. I saw, I live here in Cincinnati, that's where PFF is based, the Cincinnati Bengals sent out emails for Super Bowl tickets. Let's not get that, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yes, build the hype. I think this Bengals team has a lot of concerns, both offensively and defensively. You know, you look at the Bengals offense ranked, what, 20, 20th in EPA per play this past week. They need to improve. Joe Burrow needs to improve. Zach Taylor needs to improve if they are going to beat good teams in the AFC. Austin, what, what defensive player? Give me a defensive player, any position. That just graded off the charts this week. I have no other answer outside of my guy, Derwin James. He was fantastic in his debut in the 2021 season. One of my favorite players in the NFL. The best safety in the NFL when healthy. I'll say it again. The best safety in the NFL when healthy. And now... Paired with Brandon Staley and that defense, oh my goodness. We are, he is on his way to comeback player of the year, defensive player of the year. I think Derwin James can legitimately be you know, one of the best defensive players in the NFL this year. I also will shout out Max Crosby, the edge defender for the Las Vegas Raiders. Nearly single-handedly won that game for them on defense, had the highest graded game of his young career, and also 13 total pressures against the combination of Alejandro Villanueva and Ronnie Stanley. Formerly one of the best pass protectors in the NFL, his first game back since injury made him look foolish. I do think this Raiders defense far exceeded expectations against a very good Ravens offensive line. Austin, appreciate you, man. Thanks for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, that's Austin Gale, Director of Content at PFF. We do a little thing or not a thing up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. We know everything about you. We know you love the Buckeyes. We know you love the Jackets. We know you're wearing a red shirt. I just freaked the hell out of someone. So bad. Two legends, one show. Well, it's all a lie. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. All right, time for a little thing or not a thing. Go, Chops. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Geico Insurance. Here we go on a first Friday. The NFLPA has determined Josh Gordon has completed his NFL monitored treatment program and recommends he be reinstated by the NFL. Thing or not a thing? Not a thing. It's been forever since he was. It's, he was dominant, but it's been yeah. forever. I'm not convinced Josh Gordon loves football, but uh, I w- just what I know about all the situations surrounding him. Uh, but it's his best way to make money. And, and I would suggest that some of the things I've seen, I'll tell you a quick story. When he was with the Browns the last time around, um, go look at how little money, considering how, how little money Josh Gordon's actually made 
yeah. in his career. Like he's been yeah. around a long time, but he was not a first round pick. He's never gotten a contract. He's been suspended a ton. So go look at how little money he made. And he pulled in to Berea before he was traded in a brand new Bentley. Now someone yeah. could have loaned him that, certainly, um, or whatever. The point is, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? So my yeah. feeling on this is that he just this is his best way of making money. He has a skill set. It's a diminishing skill set, um, and he's got to continue to try and do it while he can. He's thirty years old for a guy that hasn't played a ton of football, and you can't rely yeah. on him. I just that's the that's the cold hard truth of what NFL front office people are going to say. Yeah. So not only before you kept getting chances because you had this elite set of skills. Well, they've the last tape you've had on film like it's diminished somewhat, and now you're thirty. I, I just think a lot of teams are going to look and say, no, that's just, oh, we'll pass. We'll pass. Well, Bo, now I feel like I shouldn't have bought my Bentley. The Athletics, <laughs> the Athletics, Matt Brown with this. Auburn at Penn State is one. Auburn's first Big Ten road trip since 1931 at Wisconsin. Two, only the third time a ranked SEC team has visited a ranked Big Ten team in conference at the time of the game. Wow. Joining 2011 Bama at Penn State and 1965 Georgia at Michigan thing or not a thing we need all of this yes of course all of this is a huge thing but this goes both ways when's the last time a ranked big 10 team played on the road at the sec so it's both ways right it's always framed in this way that the big the sec won't come up here normally when we play those teams we do it at neutral sites we had lsu and wisconsin at lambeau you know that's the way those things go We've tried to do home and homes. We tried with Tennessee. There's a Georgia. There's a Bama yeah, one they down the road. Out, didn't they? They did. Tennessee Gosh, backed out. Soft. Yeah. Whereas my well, linebacker coach, assistant linebacker coach Joe Bowden, who's now at Tennessee State with Eddie, soft. Al Wilson ain't walking through the door at Tennessee these days, buddy. No, um, no so you're it's so rare. soft. You don't even get the T. It's just S O F F. Right. Like a comfy, yeah. nice little, nice. This is going to be reason. awesome. He'd call people Charmin. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> this is going to be awesome, though. I wish there was more of this. They're the two most liked conferences. Yep. Adam Schefter tweeted, League sources believe Chiefs OC Eric Bieniemy will emerge as a head coaching candidate for USC. Bieniemy is from Southern California and has told confidants in the past that USC is one of the only college jobs that might interest him. Thing or not a thing? I'm going to you on this. You've called Chief Games uh, with Westwood One, right? So you probably got a chance to talk to Eric Bieniemy. No. Um, come on. Not radio. Oh, they didn't they only give have you so much that? time. No, they don't talk to the radio people, oh, man. Sad. Just television. Hate to see that. Um, you know? What do you make of this? Do you think he's got? He must not interview well because he interviews for a lot of jobs. He hasn't gotten one. Yeah, I don't. What's the? I don't know what the reason would be. I don't know. I'll put it this way. I think that the athletic director at USC will go for Luke Fickle or James Franklin, maybe even Matt Campbell, depending on how Iowa State looks the rest of the year, right? It's They still got all year to evaluate. They don't have to rush to make a decision because all these other college coaches are going to deny this job anyway until the end of the season, right? So there's no rush right. for the athletic director to make a decision. If all these other guys that you have on your list of college dudes that are in the college world, right, say no, then maybe you say, I'm at USC, how do I make a, a splash? It's good for him to know, hey, you know what, the enemy would be interested. Huh, good to know. But I'm not sure interest and in also saying the money makes sense and it's a right fit, I, I don't know. It, it To me, I, I see Eric Benemy as a head coach in the National Football League, but yeah. that's just me. I think he would be intriguing there. He's Absolutely a Southern California would. guy, if memory yep. serves. He played at yep. Colorado, was great. 
Um, and yep. I think that he would. I agree. I wouldn't. I think he could recruit it. I definitely think he could recruit. Of course, it. he could. Yeah. Just FaceTime with Pat Mahomes every time you're on a trip. Right. ESPN's Cole Kubelik pointing this out. 13 AP-ranked teams have lost in 2021 the most all-time through the first two weeks of a season. Thing or not a thing? Big thing. I I think despite even what we've seen uh, with Alabama, and we're giving them so much credit, maybe Miami just stinks too. I think it's a wide-open year in college football. Yeah. I I do. I, I don't see super team. I don't see... And the big key there is there's just there aren't the quarterbacks we've had the last couple of years. There aren't the yeah. skill position players we've had the last couple of years. Which I'm I think in favor it's wide of. Open. I love this. I love it. I love yeah, I this. Great. And, and here's the biggest test for Alabama, okay? If Michigan State beats Miami, Florida, then then I, I need to hear the national people tone it back versus saying, oh, Alabama just beat them so bad they ruined their whole season. You know, like, let's, let's wait to judge what the Miami Hurricanes are off of this weekend against Sparty. From Adam Schefter, an announcement will be made during halftime of Thursday night's Giants-Washington football team game that will involve the future of the Hard Knocks series per a league official. Thing or not a thing? In season, the full season following. Let's do it. You may be on to something. I I think they're going to get rid of it in the traditional sense. Yep. I think they're going to follow a team for a full year. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's got a little bit of juice to it. That's a big-time series there. You've seen this. Uh, the, the F1 series that's on Netflix is wildly popular. Yeah. Um, you've seen some of the Amazon series where they follow you know teams, Notre Dame football and others throughout the yeah. entire season. Um, I, I think you, you're probably on to something. That that would be something that where there's a weekly show around yeah. a team. I think there's some juice for that. Yep. And you can do it. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. What about a different team each week? They just go around the whole league. Ooh, doubtful. <laughs> doubtful. That's tough, tough on HBO. Jobs. Tough jobs. <laughs> Last one. I saw on Twitter that an Ohio State fan lost a bet to his friend, had to get a puddle Puddles the Duck tattoo. Tattoo bets. Thing or not a thing? Bad idea. Don't do it. Don't do anything. Don't make a bet that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. You know? Just... The general philosophy. At least puddles is cute, so it's not the worst thing about tattoos. Listen, do clothes. You know, that's who's what puddles players the do duck. All the time. He's the mascot. Yeah. You don't know who puddles is? No. Yeah, he's what? Mascot. Oh, it's Oregon's mascot named Puddles. Of course. Yeah. Ducks. Ducks. You know, like the I just thought it was Donald Duck. Puddles. Can't name him. He puns. looks just like Donald Duck. Well, they, they can't call him that. They don't own that. Well, I understand yeah. that, Chops. I'm just saying. I didn't know his name was Puddles. Yeah, you can't go. They can like, come up with a better name for him. Can't, can't go they? Lake, or you know. Can't pond. they call him Dave the Duck? No. no. Don. What about Don? We're going. Puddles to check is a Billy way Beaver better later. name than Dave. What are you talking Don about? Don is way better than. First of all, you name that thing Don. That's a win. Puddles Don the Duck. Yeah, Don. Dave. Oh, no, Puddles is great. Listen, there's nothing I like better. Puddles. There's Build a beaver. Better. We're trying to go find See? Build a Beaver. Build a Beaver. Show. Exactly. You give when you give animals human names, everybody <laughs> wins. You understand? So this is a mascot, which is an animal, human name, that's a win. Nobody ever know. saw a like dog. Puddles. If you call a dog Gus, win. We just named your beaver on the Bill. Dog, doesn't it? Like it depends on the breed. Right, but look at the look at the beaver we just named Bill. Now you, you now the kids are out wanting to know what where's Bill at, Dad? You named it Bill. Did it take? It did. We it had did. Turkey that was cruising around through here that I named Tom. Not around anymore. Don't we know why. Bambi. Yeah, but what if you Bambi named the beaver Chompy? Chompy the beaver. That's fun, too. It's not as funny as Bill. Bill's pretty good. But I disagree. You have to I think, think of everything. 
from this perspective of I you do clearly anyway. just like alliteration. That's I, clear. No, no, right no, now. I al- no, no, not necessarily because I also like the idea of my wife yelling at a dog that we don't have yet with like a human name. Like I'm going to get a dog. I'm going to name him Roger Sterling. I want my wife yelling at a dog named Roger. That to me is funny. <laughs> Better than we had, we had, we had a black lab named Frank. We See? had Frank Max. That's great. I love that. Frank Max was our golden yes. uh, gold uh, yellow lab. We had yeah. Frank with our black lab Newfoundland mix. Um, yeah, I like some that. of the other ones. I, I like human names on animals. I think that's a win. My dad named one one Rottweiler Bronco because I won the Bronco Nagurski that year. See, that's a good. Total animal move. Total <laughs> animal move. See. That's it. We hit Hey Guys up next. Bishop and Lorna is right here on The Fan. If the sound of another man slammed against plexiglass turns you on, you've come to the right place. Proud to be your home for Jackets hockey. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Two guys who love to see it. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. I mean, they really missed the boat. It's somebody on social. I want to get proud. Alex, you got to name PJ that Doug. Doug. Doug? Alex said you got to name that duck Doug. Gosh. Doug the Duck? Doug the Duck? They'd have 12 national titles with Doug the Duck leading the way. They don't need that. They beat us in the shoe with puddles. Just imagine how dominant they'd be with Doug. Gosh, I don't even want to know what the score would have been. 175 <laughs> I like puddles. I think puddles is adorable. I'm team puddles. <laughs> team puddles, Weak. too. Weak out of both of you. Yep. Um, I just envision a nice, funny, goofy duck just splashing in a puddle. Beautiful no. mallard. Just you doing can't it. name something that he's splashing in. Why not? That's what I'm saying. I, that, I, I imagine a beautiful duck splashing in a lake, and then you want to name it Lake. No, can't. You do wouldn't it. do that. You wouldn't name a duck same, Lake. Doesn't have the same charm as puddles. Well, you make a point there. Human names. <clears throat> All right, chops. Hey guys, go. Nothing is off limits. Your participation is required. Just use the hashtag HeyGuys and ask Bishop and Laurenitis anything you want. Do it now. All right, this one from Al. He says, if you had to do a show with another host, who would you prefer? Bobby Schlegs, Coach Fickle, or Coach Marcus? Also, would pairing Bobby and Coach Fickle be a great show? Wait a second. Mm. So they're asking threes. If it, so, if both I'm of out. us. Both of us. So if you had to do, if, they, if we had to pick either of us, had to pick someone else to do a show with. I'll answer this real. I'll, I'll answer the Bobby Luke thing real quick. I saw that that movie. Okay. Jeez. It is wildly entertaining. That is something that you would need fan TV to have, just for the the facial expressions and reaction of Luke's face on some of the things Bobby says. Okay, that'd be pure joy. Anyway, for myself. You have interviewed Marcus and I together at the same time. I have. I'm not sure we'd get much done, but if you let us nope. be unfiltered, it would be very entertaining. It would be. It'd be very entertaining, but yes. I'm not sure we could get through a full yeah. a full show. No. Who no, would you pick? If you had to ditch me... So who are my choices? So you're out, and I got Bob, Luke, Marcus, and who else? Was it those Schlegs. three? Schlegs. Well, it's Bob. I've done shows with Bob. But Bob and I, we, we'd be all right. Doug Anthony's going to come up and crush you. Well, I, the problem right with now, Schlegs... He's going to come up here and crush you. I've done shows with Schlegs, too. The The tricky part with Schlegs is is trying to corral it. <laughs> I mean, how do you corral the Schlegs? Like, yeah, how do you think so, Beam felt with Bob and Schlegs? That's what led Beam to drink. 
That's what led him to drink. Because I don't know. That was so. How do you corral Schlegs? That's why when we did, you know, what was it? What did we do? Uh, whatever with Schlegs, we, we birthed him from our loins on this show. When, what, what was the name of that segment? We surviving did with Schlegs. Surviving with Schlegs. That's right. When we dropped Surviving with Schlegs and birthed him onto the Buckeye Nation from a radio perspective, it's a twelve-minute segment where you don't know where this thing's going to go, man. No, they're going to so talk like about three hogs. hours. We're talk about high school football probably, and just smashing dudes, just dudes being dudes. The stuff where he would go hunt in the middle of the night and then show up for school, the weightlifting tra- training at Gold's Gym, and then go to class, and somehow was able to get into the Air Force Academy. Yep. <laughs> mm. And Luke, I, I like. I don't know Luke well enough to know, you know, what that would be like. I do, but Luke's too disciplined. Yeah. Doing, doing a show with Luke would be almost like doing a show with Trestle. Like, you're going to talk yeah. about a lot of stuff, but you're not going to get anything out of him. You know? Even like, if what's said, the hey. debauched Luke Fickle? Like, what's him completely loose? I don't know what that is. Never I think he just it. wants to bear hug and smash somebody. Like, and legit wants to put on a singlet and wrestle. <laughs> like, when he gets, you know what I mean? When he gets fired up, I'll never forget. I, I've told this story before, I think. But Bobby was mess. Bobby got in trouble during a walkthrough he came out with a roll of tape that was on the end of a string you know like you roll do a ball of tape and yeah you have like just a single string of tape and you use it and he whipped schlegs right in the privates with it during a walkthrough and so of course schlegs you know makes a scene punches bob in the chest you know all those so oh, come on yeah. you know boy i didn't mean to hit you yeah you did you know all this stuff um <laughs> and so bob uh luke kicks him out tells him to go inside and rehab or whatever um and so, you know, then the rest of the guys are making bets on what period Bob will come back out to practice. Um, it was obviously second to last. Comes out, you know, with hair tied on the man bun and, you know, nice little lather from a workout. Veins popping everywhere. And uh, anyway, <laughs> this carries into the meeting room. And so Bob kicks or gets kicked out of the, the linebacker meeting room. And Luke tries to slam the door. The problem was it was one of those pressurized doors. So oh, he so tries close. to slam that thing so fast, and it's just a <laughs> slow-release close. And then immediately starts cussing out me and Marcus. Like, don't, don't you be like that! Like, well, what, what do we do? We've been sitting here quiet the whole time. Look at mad at us because, you know, you're, one of your children is, you know, misbehaving. Russell says, hey, guys, going to Napa this week. I don't drink wine. What's the strategy? He adds, well, I do drink wine. I just tend to go too hard. Oh, I can't do that there. You got to well, lose yourself, my friend. So I, I'll give you three things. You got it. First of all, it's amazing. Like you, I have not been funds. yet. And the wife—that's really? one of the things I oh got to get the gosh. wife out there. Jeez. She's been dying. Oh to go. boy! All right. Yeah. Well, so so I had. We actually got engaged out there. Here's here's what I'll tell you. Ooh, look at you. Uh, you know the kid. Um, <laughs> this is what I would tell you about about it. First of all, you don't drink wine. You will, and you'll find out how great it is. It's great. It's not good. It's great. Especially out it's there, incredible. stunningly good. Um, the it's it's probably one of those places that when you leave, you will go. If I had infinite funds, this is what I would do. I would own a winery. I would live here. The weather's perfect. The vistas are stunning. The food is extraordinary. It's it's perfect. I mean, it's everything that you'd want it to be. Two yeah. pieces of advice: hire a driver. Ooh. Hire a driver yeah. because the driving up and down. There's one road that goes through Napa, two roads that go through Napa, and then there's one through Sonoma's a little more windy, but Napa's where you're headed. Um, yeah. And you're going to be up in Calistoga. You'll be up. You'll be back. You're, you're going to want to have a driver. 
And the other thing I would tell you is, and they, nobody nobody told us this, and I got hammered the first mm. day that we were there. Eat, eat, yeah. But no, the wineries don't most of the time don't have food. Like they have little skinny breadsticks, but yeah. they don't have food. Yeah, pack a sandwich. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pack a I tell you what. I, I was surprised at the uh, they had like a food court type setup, like a North Market almost in in um, Napa, and uh, we stayed there. We played the Seahawks, and then we played. This is my only time in Napa. Um, we played the Seahawks, and then we were playing the Niners, and so we yeah. stayed where the Raiders stay in Napa for the week. Yeah, we practice at the Raiders training camp facility. And um, anyway, all I know is that we stayed at one of the, like a resort that was a winery as well. And yeah, it's it's week seventeen, coach. What do we think we're doing on that Tuesday? You know, <laughs> we're drinking the complimentary bottle of wine in your room, and you're going to the winery doing a taste test. And then we yep. went down to the Napa little food court, or you know, their version of North Market. It was elite. The food yep. there is incredible, but you got to eat. If you don't eat, it's going to be it's going to be a bad deal. Take pack a lunch, man. Pack a lunch. Comics fan has a specific. Hey James, do you remember Uh-oh. the team's reaction when Nike updated our uniforms back in 06? Did everyone mourn the lack of gray in the home sleeves back then, or did some guys like them? I think people people were wondering, you know, wh- where'd the gray go? For sure, we were more concerned with the fact that, to be honest, a lot of the fan stuff wasn't so much on the stripe as it was on the the shiny gray or silver, and the pants changed. To like the gray, you know, like our old Flat pants because of the, the material, they couldn't get the the silver to shine the same for some reason. Um, so for us, though, as players, it was like a whole new world with the moisture wicking material. That was like the first time when they made for us when they made that change. And you were like, oh, the jerseys are so much like tighter, like physically tighter. So as a linebacker, you weren't going to get held. The pants were tighter. You're like, oh, this is nice. You know, this is way lighter material when you sweat. Um, the gray, I do remember the t- conversations about the gray for sure. Um, but to be honest, I mean, as players, you don't really have that much time to even discuss it. It just kind of happened, you know. And um, I'm, t- I'm telling you, especially when you played for, for Luke, like our biggest battle with Luke, like for one, he did not want to come with, with anything about uniforms, but was getting the black socks back in. Allowing us to wear black socks instead of the white Nike issued um, was a battle. Because the last time they had wore them, they got smoked by Penn State at Penn State. And so since then, he didn't want any damn team wearing black socks as long as he was there. And uh, we had to convince him that, Luke, it's okay. It's all right. Just because you guys lost in the black socks doesn't mean that we will lose every game because we're wearing black socks. I think one of the most amazing things is that we've gone 15 years without gray being represented on our primary home uniform. That's right, and the colors yeah. are scarlet and gray. I was more upset about the fifteen actual, years. I was more upset, Bo, about the way the field turf was designed. The fact that Ohio State oh, Buckeyes no doesn't have gray in it, and the Blocko doesn't have gray in it. Yeah, I mean, like it, it is. It's it's the men of scarlet and gray. It's not yeah. the men of scarlet and black. That's right. It's a cool color. Use it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Last one today. Adam says, hey, guys, considering all the fan radio personalities, what would be the most entertaining pair? And what spouses or significant others would be good at radio as well? Well, I think we're the most entertaining pair in terms of, uh, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, we are the ones doing the show. So, I mean, if we said somebody else would be undercutting ourselves. And what if you could pair up two people who aren't paired up? Oh, yeah, that's what the question is. You pair up people who aren't currently. I would love to up. have, you know who I would love to see? I would love a three-hour special of of Common Man and Bobby. 
that happened. I think that's happened. I feel like I feel like Mike I and Bob have done shows. So I need to be. I've done to shows it. with Mike years ago. I did a couple of shows with Mike. Mike and I used to do TV together. Um, yep. I'm trying to think if I've ever done one. I don't think I've ever done with Bone. I've done a show I with I haven't done one with AR. Bone or Mike. Um, Aaron, I had a show. I've done a show with, with Maddie. Uh, Beam, I've done shows with Beam. Mm. I think Bone's probably the only one that I haven't. Mm. I think an unfiltered, <laughs> unfiltered Mike and Bob. Yeah. Right? Drunk. Like, let's say it was the last show yeah. that they ever were going to do, the two of them. Yeah. Like, forever again. The last radio show they were ever going to do, and it, yeah. there was no consequences. Yeah. I would... I think that could be fun. Anything anything can be discussed. Anything could be said. Anything can be discussed. You give them a couple first yeah. Fridays, and you say, have at it. This is a podcast forum. I, yeah. I, I, I think that's got a shot to be quite interesting. Mm. It happened once. It would happen one time. <laughs> it happened one time. That would be the end of that. Um, all right. Coming up next, Luke Fickle in the news. He was asked the question. He addressed it in a way that only Luke can. We get to that coming up next. Bishman Laurinaitis is right here in the fan. All sports, all the time, and whatever it is Common Man and T-Bone do, we still don't know. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Well-dressed, well-spoken, but never, ever a well-drink. How about chaos? Insanity. Absolute insanity. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. BLS here on the fan. Get to Luke here in uh, just a second as he had a classic Luke answer before we Luke. do that, though. Uh, Let me guess. I'm, I haven't looked at the quotes. I haven't heard his interview. Sure. But I guarantee he's dropped some kind of quote about the grass isn't greener, you know. I believe that's uh, number 407 uh, in the sound that we'll play yeah. in a second. Just know the guy. That. I know the guy. You know? No, you for sure. that line on me, I think, to get me to come back to school. <laughs> Probably. Uh, join the fan for the Ozone Tailgate on Lane for the best game day tailgate in town. Catch the pregame show with Matty Ice and Tyvis Powell. Listen to live music. Watch the game if you're not headed inside. Be sure to bring cash for your favorite tailgate refreshments. The Ozone Tailgate on Lane is sponsored by TNT Equipment, Pepsi Zero, Capital City Concrete, and Corona. See you on Saturday for the game. Uh, so the Cincinnati Beat. Uh, reporters and the, and the people on the conference call uh, were able to ask Luke some questions uh, about USC. Um, and he gives, um, in addition to the grass isn't always greener, here is Luke on the fact that he has not spoken to anyone at USC, and frankly, he wouldn't. We can't even talk about Indiana yet, huh? I know nothing. No, we know nothing. I mean, it, look, I don't talk to anybody. I barely talk to my own family during the, during the season. And, uh, you know, so I wouldn't ever talk about it, nor would I have even answer a phone call or anything like that. So um, I know nothing, nor does it make me have have any interest. So um, it's not a it's not a big deal. It's nothing but distractions if people allow it to be, uh, and for us, it, it it can't be. All right, you mentioned uh, the grass not always being greener. Here's Luke saying exactly that. This is a crazy world and a crazy business, and uh, I think it does nothing more than show a lot of us that you know stability is a is a is great in this business. And when you can create some stability in the things that are around you, grass is not always greener. And uh, if not anything, it does. You know, if you're going to spend any time thinking about it, it does make you realize what great fortunes you have to be building something and have some stability. Um, 
you know, not just for you as a person and you as a family guy, but you as a as a program and, and the kids in your program. So here's here's what, and you again, I think it goes without saying, you know him better than me. He lives in a great town. He mm-hmm. lives in a great town with an incredible system of Catholic schools. In fact, mm-hmm. you'd argue from a high school standpoint, it's as famous as any in the country in terms of the GCL. Um, yeah. So you've got that. Uh, he is in his home state and can recruit his home state and can see people who know what he's all about. He doesn't have to sell himself to anybody. He walks into any high school coach's office in the state of Ohio, in northern Kentucky, in Pennsylvania, in Indiana, and they know who he is. Period. Yep. yep. All of that matters. He's moving to the Big 12. That matters. He's making a lot of money. Right? He's making yep. a lot of money. He controls his own destiny at UC. Everything he... You make a very straight case from his perspective. Why would I leave? That's why yeah. I used the Chris Peterson analogy earlier at Boise State. He stuck around yeah. at Boise State for a long time, won yeah. a lot, and then it felt like finally he was like, you know what, i got to go try this somewhere else and just yep. see if I can do it. And he went to Washington, and he did. He won. They played in a playoff at Washington. Yep. Um, is Washington as good a job at USC? No. Could he have had USC at a certain points? Yeah, probably for sure. Yep. But he really liked the situation at Boise. Yeah. That just might be Luke. I think if Cincinnati wasn't joining the Big 12, right? Because they're going to stay a Power 5 conference. And I don't think that they're done adding teams. So in his mind, I get to stay in Ohio. I've built this thing up to where I'm in the playoff conversation. Now I will especially be in the playoff conversation if over the next three weeks I get two more wins. If I went out, you know, in the AAC, but if you're going to tell me that I'm going to have a better chance at the playoff, I could keep my family here. Don't forget, Landon is at Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. You know, Luca is, I believe, in high school. The older set of twins are school. The younger set of twins are so. That's a lot of kids to uproot. Yeah, it took a lot to move down just seventy-one with a great Catholic school system. With the great areas to live, I believe they're in Indian Hill, if I'm not mistaken. Great place to live. Yep. But it took a lot to get him down there. Why? He was patient. He was so patient with the right situation. I ask him every offseason, hey, man, you got to take a job, you got to take a job, take a job. He said no to even interviewing for certain jobs mm-hmm. that some would deem, you know, step up. West Virginia, hey, you know what? You're, you're up in a Power Five, you're in the Big 12. He has sat patiently, and it's kind of like, oh, hey, look. Now Cincinnati's in the Big 12. Hmm. Yeah. It might be a better job than West Virginia now. <clears throat> it might be an easier path to get into the playoff yeah. than trying to go rehash USC. What if Chip Kelly's got his thing rolling now? He what if doesn't. Chip Kelly becomes, you know what, all those kids we talked about, what if they're like, you know what, I want to go play down and I want to play for UCLA. They just smacked around. I mean, if it's undefeated UCLA, which I don't know if it will be, but if it is, undefeated UCLA versus undefeated Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, you got yourself a ball game. You know, maybe that turns the tide for UCLA. Uh, look, I understand USC is a way better job, but for, for than UCLA, I'm saying in that city. But I just overall, you can start to see why Luke would say this is as obvious. Some people that don't know me think it is right. There's a lot of national analysts well, right now that are thinking, "Oh, yeah, for sure he'll take it. It's USC it, versus Cincinnati." They it's don't know his him. specific wants. You don't know what yes. his. We know what his right. why is. We do they it. don't. Yes. 
Yes. So that's the difference. His family, yep. the reason they, that he was a defensive coordinator, he could have had the, maybe he could have got the pitch job. He could have had any Mac job he wanted at any point early yep. in his career, any one of them. But guess yep. what? He and Amy like living in Columbus. Yep. They like the schools. They like yep. the family. Like it matters yep. to them. He wasn't just going to take any job. So no, he, it's, it's about more than that for him. That's his why. He's probably, if you were to ask him, and if you were to, if you go back 25 years and say, Luke Fickle, you're going to be, what's he making? Three, three million, something like that at Cincinnati? You're yeah. going to be making three million dollars coaching, being a head coach of a team in Ohio. He'd said, you're nuts. Yep. You're kidding me. Yep. I got it that good. So, yep. and, and, and who's guess to what? Say? That will probably bump up once they go to the Big 12. Right. And he just and, signed this extension. Just off the principle, he just signed an extension, what, this last offseason? Like, just off that alone, he's not a guy to say, oh, I did this, I committed to you, now I'm out. Just There's so many layers to it, to the person Luke Fickle, and, and what drives him. I, I mean, think- I can't imagine the pride he has knowing that he's built this thing into a, a playoff yeah. conversation, or, you know, university, for football. The nip has been absolutely rocking. And so there's got to be a deep pride in that. I've brought it to here. What's my next challenge here? Desmond Ritter leaves. Who's the next QB? Who are the Who's the next wave of guys? They got a lot of guys being talked about as first round picks. Can I keep this as a cycle now and not just do it one time? That's my challenge, especially as we enter the Big Twelve. Let me see it through to that conference. Let me Let me try to win the Big Twelve. Yeah, you know. So there's there are all these goals that I'm sure are in his head. I'll say this: I believe he would win there. Yeah. And I think he would be a big success there. I just don't know if he if that's what he wants. My yeah. hunch is that it's not. Um, we will talk about the USC job. We'll talk about the early thoughts on the college football season, including Chris Vadini's thoughts on what he saw from uh, Ohio State against Oregon. That is coming up next. Bishman Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. One, two, three. The Daily Coach Ryan Day Show is brought to you locally by Credit Union of Ohio and by Hyde Park Prime Steakhouse on The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. This is a Daily Show with Coach Ryan Day brought to you by Safe Flight Auto Glass. Certainly this past Saturday, C.J. Stroud was some of the things he did. Was that another big example of the way he's continuing to grow and evolve as a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, for the for the second game of the year, uh, in that environment, you know, overall, um, you know, we came up short, but but he showed a lot of bright spots, threw some really good football, showed some really uh, impressive poise there. So, um, you know, again, this is this is a work in progress with him. Um, I think we probably put too much on on his plate in that game. You know, we need to take some off of his plate in the run game and on defense, but uh, there was certainly a bright spot there. Okay, we'll have another comment in just a moment. Meet or on the rocks. Just act accordingly. Starts with a glass of bourbon, then goes to, oh, first blood's on. I think I'll watch this again. You're listening to Bishop and Laurenitis. All right, time to head out on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline for a visit with our good buddy Chris Vanini. He covers college football for the Athletic. By the way, before we, and Chris will have something to say about this, certainly, uh, Urban Meyer just now down in Jacksonville on the USC rumors, there's no chance I'm committed here in building an organization. I think that's truthful, knowing Urban, uh, but I would also say that Nick Saban had a similar press conference one time in Miami and then went to Bama. So you never know. Uh, Chris, let, let's start there at USC, uh, where they make a, a decision relatively early in, in this in this season. Clay Helton is out. About a billion names have been thrown around. We spent time talking about our old buddy Luke Fickle in the last segment. We're kind of dubious to think that that would necessarily be a fit for him from his perspective. What do you think about the USC job and what they ought to do? Well, 
there, there's, there's a lot of options, like you said, and there's been talk about some NFL coordinators like Eric Bieniemy potentially being interested. I think if you're USC, you need to hire somebody who has already been through something like this, someone who has coached at a big job, someone who has recruited at a big level, someone who has won at a big level, because you, you need someone's proof. This is the time to try out a first-time head coach or something like that. And when you look at the possibilities, you know, you look at what Mario Cristobal is doing at Oregon, that's exactly what USC needs. He, he's recruiting at a top 10, top 5 level, an SEC-type recruiting aspect. They're strong in the trenches. Uh, they, they, play, they play pretty good defense. You get Kayvon Thibodeau, a top recruit defensive player, to come all the way out to Oregon. That's exactly the kind of thing USC is supposed to be. Well, would Cristobal want the job? I don't know. He's already winning the Pac-12. You know, how much is there to gain other than maybe a, you know, a, a, a bit more money? He was underpaid in Oregon. He only made like two point seven last year. I think that's up to over four now, over four million. USC can and should pay more. But if you're Cristobal, do you sit there, keep winning at Oregon, and wait for Nick Saban to retire at Alabama and potentially go back there? It's a possibility. But in terms of what USC needs to be. I think you look at what Oregon is, and that's exactly what it should be, which is a, a recruiting powerhouse that's tough in the trenches. Yeah, Chris, it's incredible to think that USC is, I mean, not one of the teams that we're consistently talking about year in, year out when it comes to the playoff. I, I'm wondering, uh, James Franklin's name was thrown around at that job. Uh, I believe Bo was a Dan Patrick show. Yeah, uh, His name was mentioned morning, about yeah. being interested in that. He's obviously been linked out there before. Um, your thoughts on James Franklin being a fit and whether you think that he would jump from State College out to L.A.? Yeah, whether or not you know there's been any talk, I don't know. It's early. There's three months to go on this stuff, and, and Penn State plays Auburn this week, so I don't think James Franklin's really talking <laughs> right. about USC at the moment. But he's another guy who feels like he would fit. He's produced two or three top ten teams at Penn State in the last couple of years. He recruits at a top 15 level. He's a dynamic personality, um, so it fits a lot. Now, now him and Cristobal, there's been questions about their in-game, you know, coaching moves. But no coach is perfect. I, I mean, I think Franklin fits a lot of those same categories as well because he's a guy who recruits to a, a, a place and wins. You know, he's not at the Ohio State level, but there are, you know, some disadvantages at a place like Penn State compared to Ohio State, and USC doesn't have those. Chris, let's talk about Ohio State. Um... Open against Minnesota, give up a ton of yards rushing. Uh, ten days later, similar result uh, against Oregon here. First, I mean, we've lost these type of games. I say he's lost these type of games before. Uh, but it, it, to be really bullied at home was a bit of a shock to us. What did you make of what happened on Saturday here at the Shoe? Yeah, it was very surprising. And, and it went to show that the, especially the defensive issues are not pertain to one game or one player. And this is now several games in a row going back to last year that the defense has been a problem. Ohio State, I, I mean, you know, James, you would know, they just look slow, on, especially on defense, on, on the linebacker spot where they have not recruited well for for a number of years, and that really showed up against a team like Oregon, which was able to set the edge time and time again. Um, and, and again, Oregon did that without Kayvon Thibodeau and Justin Flo, and I know Ohio State was able to move the ball a bit, but it was a very impressive win. And C.J. Stroud, it's kind of two games in a row now. He started out slow, inaccurate. He's throwing too high. 
but he gets he gets a run. He ended up throwing for the second most yards ever in Ohio State history. He he's not really the problem here, but he does need to get off to quicker starts. I, I think, and so those are kind of things I took away from that game. Chris, as you look around college football as a whole, um, our producer read the the stat that it's been the most losses in, by AP ranked teams within the first two weeks of a season. Um, that gets me excited for college football. That you know, hey, these upsets are coming back. Uh, I think for over the last few years, if memory serves me right, it just seems like we've almost simulated to the playoff, right? And it's been the there will still be the same teams at the end of the year. But do you think that there is a little bit more wide openness, with the exception of Bama, maybe um, to to college football this season? Potentially, you know, we'll see what the Alabama Florida game looks like. If Alabama yeah. dominates Florida, then then. Maybe Alabama and Georgia are the clear top teams, and that's it. But, you know, we saw Oklahoma escape Tulane. We saw Ohio State lose. Clemson has lost, but that was, you know, to, to Georgia. So I hope so. I mean, I don't like, I agree with you that it's not good that the same handful of teams are, are the ones at the top every year. So, you know, we'll see how much of that or how much just the rankings were poor coming off of the COVID season. I mean, that, that could play a role as well. Big one, we mentioned James Franklin and Penn State. Big one for him, big one for the league, right? Uh, when, you're, when your bell cow goes down the week before an opportunity to play an SEC team, I don't think anyone is under the uh, delusion that, that Auburn is Georgia or Bama, but they've got players. They recruit it well. they got pros uh, playing up at Happy Valley. What's your read early on that situation uh, with Penn State? Yeah, I, I mean, with Auburn, you don't really know yet. They've... they've scored 60 points in two games, but they haven't played anybody. They've played two really bottom feeder teams. So we, we don't really know going to happy Valley to play that Penn state defense uh, is a whole other animal. They've been pretty impressive Penn state. I know the Wisconsin game was a bit ugly, but you go win at camp Randall, then come back with a comfortable win over ball state who won the Mac last year. I think it's not a bad team. And Sean Clifford has been so much better with, not throwing interceptions and and fumbling the ball. They've been taking care of the ball. That's such a huge thing for them. So it's gone about as well as you could hope for Penn State. Uh, We've seen them in a tough game, so we we know what they can do. Auburn, we don't really know yet, and and that's going to be the real question is how does this Auburn team look when they're not playing Akron, you know, like they did already? Chris, uh, Iowa. Iowa, uh, I had their game against Indiana where they – made Penix look really bad. They're so just sound defensively. They beat Iowa State in Ames uh, with all the attention on that game. Uh, they'll, they'll be forgotten about <clears throat> the next few weeks with Kent State and Colorado State. But do you have confidence that that can be a team that will get to Indy unscathed? They're hosting Penn State at their place. They'll have to go to uh, Camp Randall. But uh, I'm just wondering overall, I think for Ohio State fans, as you start looking down the pipe, we've got our own issues. But you say, hey, can Iowa get to Indy undefeated to stay ranked extremely high to maybe help help you get a chance there? Undefeated, I'm not sure. I mean, Iowa was my pick to win the division coming in. I mean, yeah. you look at the way last season played out. They lost two close games to Purdue and Northwestern kind of in the, in, in the fourth quarter there. But then they win their final six games by an average of like 20 points a game or something like that. And then that's continued in this year. They've been completely dominant through two games against Iowa State and Cincinnati. And the defense one of Phil Parker's, you know, specialties where every few years they've got an elite level defense and they have that here. Now the offense has not been great. And I think that's where you have some concerns. I think I had fewer than 
fewer than 200 yards, I think, against Iowa State or fewer against Iowa State last week. So they have not moved the ball particularly well, but they haven't needed to. They're still my pick to win the division, but undefeated is going to be tough, especially when you're going to be playing most likely in a lot more low-scoring games. Chris, we always appreciate your perspective. Thanks for the time today, pal. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, that's Chris Vanini, National College Football Writer for The Athletic. It is a first Friday. We get your officially endorsed. And three things coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. The Cleveland Browns Preview Show. The ultimate way to get ready for the season. Wednesday night at 9. Presented by Pins Mechanical. Your home of the Browns. The Fan. Their favorite sport is berating their producer. You just sat there for 10 minutes. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And it's a first Friday. Time for your officially endorsed City Chopper. You drink for the wrong reasons. My generation, we drink because it's good. Because it feels better than unbuttoning your collar. Because we deserve it. We drink because it's what men do. All right, there's one bourbon uh, that I would put up there all time for me that, that's right up there with, with, uh, with the Pappy 20, and that's Elmer Teeley. Uh, this is a bourbon that you used to be able to get for 28 bucks. Elmer T. Lee was the guy that said, you know what, maybe we got to do single-barrel bourbon, and he was the guy that started Blanton's and mm. uh, was the master distiller for a long time, and then his own namesake bourbon is, is stunningly good. It was a $28 bottle. I used to be able to get it anywhere. He passed away uh, a number of years ago, and at that point, bourbon started to take off, and everyone started to look for it, and everyone realized how great it is. It is that great. Uh, you can't get it anymore, uh, but you can get it, and I understand that by giving, by, if you're not aware of this, that I'm losing some of my opportunity to get some. But it is in the new lottery that's coming out with the Ohio Liquor. So I think Ooh. you have to sign up by September 19th um, and and scoop up a bottle. It's, Will you text it's, me? How do I do that? you got to text me how to sign up for that. I don't even know how to sign I've never won anything in these things. Oh, my gosh. Well, you just know people. No, I don't. You can't. In, in bourbon anymore, you can't. No one <clears throat> won't do you any good. I know. Um, but, so sign up, kids. And if you win this one, understand how big... So I'm saying, I, where do I sign up? Where do I go? I go to OhioLiquor.com, O-H-L-Q, something like that. I can't spell liquor. It's tricky. It is tricky, yeah. But Elmer's one of them. So if you yeah. can win it, it's it's a it's a big win for you. Um, all right, three things. Hit it. One, two, one, two, three things with Bishop and Laurenitis. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. A melancholy number one for me. Rest in peace to Norm MacDonald. Uh, a 10-year battle with cancer that virtually nobody knew about. Um, he uh, He's consistently made me laugh as hard as anybody. Yep. And is probably the best weekend update host of all time. That goes way back. And probably yep. the best talk show guest of all time. Go watch his last appearance on Letterman. Go watch him on Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. Go watch his appearance on Conan's show. Those are unbelievable, let alone playing Turd Ferguson on Jeopardy on right. SNL. Incredible. So, what a career, what a life, and just consistently hilarious the whole time. My first thing, um, it is my sweet oldest seventh birthday today. Wow. So the poor, uh, yeah, she can't go to soccer practice tonight yet. Couldn't go to school, obviously. Um but we're over here at the barn. We're making it really special for her. She got spoiled. Um, she'll get to go back and celebrate on Friday with her friends at school. But uh, happy seventh birthday to Sweet London. My first thing. So I figured this out. The 
grocery store by my house. On the back, it has those coupons, and all grocery stores do that. But one of them is to the the Mexican restaurant that's also right by our house. So I use that every time. Wanted to go to that restaurant last night. Didn't have one. So I said, why not just go buy something that's less than $5, get the $5 off. It's basically like whatever we got at the grocery store is free. Crack the system. It's a perfect plan. Uh, There we go. Number two for me. Uh, Yesterday was well visit uh, for Bootsy and Black Cobra. So... In the middle of the well visit, you know, you got to get checked out. So they're sitting with the doctor, and Bootsy just passes gas. He then proceeds to find it to be the funniest thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. (laughs) So I love the young man. I love him. He loves himself more than even I love him. And he finds himself to be the funniest person on the face of the earth. So the doctor said a great line. He goes, this is why I got into pediatrics. It's a lot more fun dealing with this than with adults. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Adults nice tend to be frustrating. Yeah. 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 I told you. Hayden thought I was the funny things in the world when she couldn't smell her own toots. Um, <laughs> so anyway, my second thing is Hayden finally, finally gets to go to pre-K tomorrow. She was supposed to start school a week ago on Wednesday for obvious reasons she couldn't but she is now finally able to have her first day which means Cersei will be popping champagne <laughs> probably at 9.30 in the morning mimosas baby another titan of industry moment for me yesterday we got our bill for our trash collection and it was the first time we, we had gotten it and you know you pay like quarterly or whatever and so I logged into the system and I'm like I don't know what the password was I don't even think I set it up so I need to like reset the password and it's like well we sent it to this email and it said a finch in the email it is flinch they think my name is flinch yes. and then they're like you have to call this number to change your email and I was like I'm not calling any number so I made that email and just because nobody else is named Mark Wait Flinch. So I made that email, then sent it to that one, got my new password, went back to the website, changed it to the correct email, and paid my <laughs> bill. So you created an email address rather than going through the hassle of them getting it right. Yes. It's amazing. Oh, boy. No, number three for me. Well, it happened, guys. It, it happened. I knew this moment would happen. I anticipated this moment happening, you know, like seventh, eighth grade. Black Cobra fourth grader brought home math. I don't know what the hell he's being asked. <laughs> I can't make sense of it. I coloring love it. in, he's coloring in these cubes and triangles that have to be a whole. It's twenty. It's fractions. Mm. I don't understand what's being asked. I don't. I don't <clears throat> get. I don't get the lesson. Yeah, uh, they're not even the sine, cosine, and tangent, are they? Yep. Yep. No. I, so I told the blonde. I said, "I go look. That's on you. If you need yeah. to spend an hour during the day, reach, you know, getting your math in order. Yeah. Best of luck to you." Yeah, man's got to know his limitations. My wife will absolutely destroy the math with the girls. You know, she is so good with numbers. Um, I my only contribution to them will be history. I love learning about history. Yeah. So when they're learning about it, I would love to dive in and learn again with them. You know, and kind of go through that. But when it comes to history, Cersei is not. I mean, honestly, if I ask her when the country started and she starts with seventeen, I feel like we've won. You know, I feel like we've accomplished the goal. Um, I, I honestly asked her one time, and she said 19. I said, let's just stop. Let's just keep it moving. You're really good at numbers. I love you. Um, my third thing, I opened up a can of worms, um, but I knew this day would come. Monday, 
London birthday present horseback riding lessons. Yes. And here we are. And here we are. Yes. She was so geeked. She oh, is so like geeked. There's a place right up the road from the barn. Um, and we, we told her by, she opened up her gift this today and it was a new pair of, uh, of boots. So she's got new, new cowboy boots and she's ready to roll. Yes. Oh, I love this. Tough day for couch sitting yesterday. I got to tell you, I'm sitting down and I look down cause I see something out of the corner of my eye. Little spider, not a little spider, pretty big spider running around. I go, ah, and it runs under the couch. How am I supposed to sit on the couch for the rest of the day when a spider that I deemed big just ran back under under the couch? What am I supposed to do about it? Kit also ate a, ate a cricket yesterday. So many insect <laughs> things going on at the house. <laughs> Welcome to home ownership. Enjoy your first Friday. Sounds like Chops needs one. We're back tomorrow for more, for more fun. Rothman and Ice up next. Bishman Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.